side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Reed eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. Yes, it is time for the Friday Husker tailgate. Actually on a Friday, number one, and with the full cast in studio today, because Mike Schaefer is here, not traveling today, and we are ready to go. Full strength, correct day, big game, let's go. Welcome in, glad you uh, are joining us today, Nebraska in Colorado tomorrow from Boulder, Colorado. And we are in a spot for this game that I I feel like not many people expected. And maybe we should have. Were we just not, uh, were we just being dumb when we were sort of chalking this game up to to, to the the extent any of us were to a a win for Nebraska? 15-point favorite shouldn't be too hard. Should we have seen this coming? These are the things I want to get into today. But we uh, have plenty of time to do that, and we got a lot of show to do it. We're going to have our helmet stickers today. We're going to have our picks today. We're going to have Kevin Suits join us today. We're going to count down the five Husker things that you're going to be talking about today. We've got all of that today with the Friday Husker tailgate. And uh, Caleb, uh, I was uh, I know this is a short short work week, four days. We only did uh, this is just our fourth show of the week, uh, but it has been more than a week since Nebraska played. But it's been. You know, the normal time since this matchup has been set up with Colorado being the nation's new fad. <laughs> I don't know that uh, I was excited for the buildup for this game, for the talk about this game, for the kind of the the hype and the pomp and circumstance and the rivalry. I'm kind of sick of it in a way that I did not think <laughs> I would be. I'm not sure what happened exactly here. Yeah, I had immediately after Colorado had won and everyone was like, oh, man, Colorado looks good. I remember tweeting out. And and so begins the longest week in the history of Nebraska football. And so, oh, back when we were winning games. How many games. times do you think you could have tweeted that out in the last? Uh, I right, don't know. and that's and so many people were saying that, but I was like, guys, there is nothing that Nebraska, especially over the last several years, that is anything compared to the talk about Colorado and Deion Sanders that you had to listen to this week. Or maybe people were just good and tuned everything out. I wasn't. I wasn't capable of doing that. I had to listen to everything. Whether it was talk shows like ours, our friends on sixteen twenty, everything on on national TV, this week has felt like forever. The counter to that is, I love going through and getting all of this content. This is so much fun to have this as opposed to well, yeah, Nebraska is going to lose by thirty, guys. It, probably this that's is, true. Yeah, You'd that's, rather be in the spotlight than not at all. <laughs> you know, no awareness of, mm-hmm. of what's going on, and that could be impacted by what's going on here. Mike, what do you, 
what do you make of the reaction, not necessarily among Nebraska fans, but just nationally about what Colorado did in week one? I think uh, I think sort of nationally and locally, it was a big surprise to see him come out and play that well. I mean, I like we have never seen a program basically have to get half of its roster starting in June and then turn around and play with that roster. Like that the the part that I am most impressed by, nothing to do with Travis Hunter who's an incredible player, but the thing is, it's the number one player in the like this is this was a guy that you thought was a stud and he went to Jackson State. So like he's kind of been off the radar. So now for everybody else it's like, "Oh, who is this elite guy?" And it's like, "Yeah, he's always been that." Mm-hmm. Like he is that good. That's mm-hmm. not a surprise. The surprise is how crisp and how fluid everything looked. For a team playing its opening game with half of its roster joining at the beginning of June, like I, I think they deserve every bit of compliment and accolade and everything that they've gotten for that, and it it tells you, tells me two things: one, the hottest name in the coaching cycle, almost regardless of how they do, is going to be the offensive coordinator. For the uh, yeah. Yeah. He is a one and done there mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, it's, everyone talked about how long Dion was going to stay at Colorado or how long Travis Hunter was going to be at Colorado or all of that. I guarantee you that offensive coordinator who went from head coach in the MAC to Power Five offensive coordinator will be a sitting Power Five off or head coach next year. No question. You wonder. Yeah, was that, he, he, it's amazing he hasn't left for a job after <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you he want, was at UNO by the way. He was yeah. b- back in the day. Yeah, you there mentioned you that earlier. Um, yeah, you wondered at the time, like, isn't it kind of weird for a guy to take a head coach job to go to a coordinator yeah. job? Well, it might have been, but you can see w- to what Mike's saying exactly why you would do something right. like that because he will get a power five job faster than he ever would have than being the head coach at Kent State and we'll talk about this today but I thought I, I, I guess I'm with Mike that was the thing I was most impressed by than anything for Colorado they was the so way the, the way the offense worked it wasn't even individual talent by anyone although Shadur Sanders is definitely better than I realized he was but I think just the way that off. There was always there was always somebody open seven yards upfield. I mean, it, it just it was constant with them, and there weren't penalties, and it was executed really well. And yeah, I can't say enough about how well that game was coached, uh, especially on offense for Colorado. So that'll be a big a big part of that. And so this is what what Nebraska has to deal with. Um, let's let's go back. It's weird because there's been so much focus on Nebraska. We got to or on Colorado. We got to remember we probably should talk about. Nebraska too, um, m- yeah. You were there in Minneapolis, Mike. Um, I guess what what did you see there from Nebraska that you kind of expected as you went through the fall, and what were the things that really surprised you about what this team ended up being on week one, at least? Honestly, this game or that game, I should say, the, the Minnesota game played out exactly how I thought it would. It was low scoring. It was an extreme possession game. Uh, the the biggest difference. I mean, I had Nebraska winning by three, uh, not losing by three. And then I I thought Nebraska would do a better job taking care of the ball. I thought Jeff Sims would do a better job taking care of the ball. Uh, those those are the only real differences. Otherwise, I I really think and and you know Caleb would know as well as anybody because he listens to all of the audio. <laughs> I really think they told you what team was going to show up in Minnesota. Like we're. We're so accustomed to, to kind of the Scott Frost style of like says things that aren't visible on Saturdays that when 
you sat there on Thursday and you watched as it played out, it's like, yeah, okay, that's why they like the defense. Yeah, okay, that's why they like the the special teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. this I I see this on two <laughs> sides of the ball. And, you know, a lot of August in previous years is like, okay, all right, let's see what it looks like on the field. Okay, all right, you know. We got that and you just you go back and it's like this is why he clearly likes Isaac Gifford. This is why Deshaun yeah. Singleton and Omar Brown's name yeah, came up. That's you know, true. like they they showed that and they also showed why every single time it was well the defense is ahead of the offense. Mm-hmm. That seemed yeah. very obvious You're as right. well. So I in, <laughs> in some ways people should feel confident that the coach that they have heard from um all of August. Now obviously there's things that didn't translate, right? Like I can't believe how many people are holding a head coach feet to the fire for saying that they want to be a fourth quarter team and they weren't magically an immediately great fourth quarter right. team. I am just beside myself that with just an entire off season they couldn't flip the fabric baked DNA of Nebraska football. <laughs> just shocked by this. But um, you know, that that didn't come to fruition. And then <laughs> amazingly, Anthony Grant's fumbles did come to fruition. Yeah, I was to gonna say there was the they, one. They told you what was gonna happen. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. I mean, about, yes, exactly what you're so talking about. So there's certainly things to clean up, but I, I it is in some ways amazing what transcended over Thursday night, Saturday morning, to create this incredible amount of angst for this game from some version of a Nebraska fan that looked at Thursday as a failure, which I have no idea how you could. Like, I can I can understand being unhappy with the result. I certainly can understand that. But Nebraska showed up and played better football on Thursday in two out of the three phases than you've seen in years. Mm. And they did it against a conference team that's probably going to win eight or nine games. Like, this wasn't a... This wasn't a hold-your-head-in-shame loss. Mm-hmm. This is a loss to a team that could win the Big Ten West because the Big Ten West sucks. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that this year. <laughs> we can start a counter up there on your board if you'd like, but it's not a good division. Uh, and Minnesota could well win that, and Nebraska probably should have beat them. You're yeah, right, so. but, but like, what changed between kickoff... Seven o'clock on Thursday. Were there an eight-point or seven-and-a-half-point right. underdog? Well, and, and for for the general fans and for all of us, where most of us were already expecting, it's it's probably going to be close, and most likely Nebraska is going to lose. To less than forty-eight hours later, oh man, Nebraska is getting boat raced. Made the wrong head coaching decision. Like, <laughs> like what? How okay. did we do that in forty-eight hours? <laughs> okay, well, number. I mean, was there was there re- are there really people saying that? Yes, extensively. Uh, the message now. board. There was people on the message okay. board. Now we have to we have to preface the message board and X are yes. not are the loud life. people. Yeah. Okay, I, I I get what you're saying, but I I'll answer your question, which you may not like the answer. I'll answer you That's the question though, why people are saying that. Okay, there's two reasons. Number one. It's because of the quarterback play. Mm-hmm. That's that's reason number one. It's just fair. It wasn't good. Yeah, and, absolutely. And number two is because of the insane frustration of the last five minutes of that game, where it was it was where it was just so similar to the Scott Frost era. And Mike, yeah, I agree with you that it's hard to expect those problems to be changed that are so baked in. But it's also remarkable that it could be so sure. similar yeah. in a lot of ways. Staff, yeah. mm-hmm. Because I went back through and watched that last five minutes of the game, and there are like, I don't know, maybe like eight, ten individual little things that could have happened 
that Nebraska wins that game. But that also <laughs> tells like, you a tiny little yeah, little absolutely. things, and they all went Minnesota's way in those last five minutes. In, things that didn't happen the rest of the game. In some ways, that should should tell you though that like it took a lot for that to flip on Nebraska. Like you know, you needed things. You needed the Anthony Grant fumble. You needed Jeff Sims throwing that final mm-hmm. interception. You needed Isaac Gifford not <sighs> picking off that right. pass. There was a you face mask. You needed Daniel penalty. Jackson making an insane yes. individual effort. You also needed Calicamanis to throw that pass, like to see that in that moment. You needed Malcolm Hartzog to play inside leverage when the play went outside. Everything but went you right. You needed all of these little things, and Minnesota got exactly that. It was like they threaded a 10 team. That's parlay. one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is curse. Well, I mean, one of those seems steeped in reality and the other seems steeped in... Listen, the more it happened... I mean, that was my... My reaction wasn't... My reaction was not anger at the coaching or the team or anything like that. It was just at at the fortunes of life that this could somehow happen again. It was amazing to me that you could have this kind of a, a unlikely painful loss again it, I mean, it, it just feels like the law of averages has got to come in yeah, and save this team I, at some point. I said this on a different radio show. I mean, one of the reasons why it feels like Nebraska loses all of these games, they don't have, they don't have enough offense to – like, it's like a, a team that's built in baseball where you have good pitching and you don't have any offense, and you wonder why you always lose three to two. Well, because you can't get to four. You know, like, it's Nebraska's offense had opportunities to push that thing to 13 points and win it. Right. And they they couldn't. So some of it to me is just like they're not good enough on one phase yet that it they can just win by being good in the other two. And I'll offer you up. You gave me you gave me two. Those answers. two, yeah. I'll I'll give you a third. What's that? A first year head coach had all of those transfers come in and look special that's, offensively on national television. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that was a little bit later, but, I, but yeah, you're right. Yes. 100%. Are you guys ever when you watch college football you're like how the hell is this the same sport? Because the game I watched on Thursday was not the game I watched on Saturday on my couch between TCU and Colorado. Those are two entirely different sports, and yet it's the same sport. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I Which makes, what you're saying. I think that makes Saturday's game against Colorado fascinating because if Nebraska can play the version that it wants to play, we don't know if Colorado can play that version. Right. Just yeah. like we don't think Nebraska can play – we're pretty sure Nebraska can't play the shootout seven on seven style that they got with TCU. Guess what? Tony White is not running the same concepts in his three three five that TCU ran, where it's like, you know what, this Dylan Edwards kid that's really fast, we're just gonna try to match him up with a defensive end or a linebacker. Let's see how that goes for us. <laughs> Meanwhile, here's man coverage. Right. I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, you're not getting that. I'm yeah. curious, guys. What is your best explanation on how everyone misread, and I assume you both did. I mis- misread. Yeah. I know I did. Misread Colorado. Was it that you over? We overestimated TCU. Was it that we underestimated the specific talent on Colorado? I didn't think Was that their that- skill players could completely dominate in a way that would make the trenches meaningless. But yeah. I also feel like Colorado got the exact game it wanted. Like they they played in such a way that they dictated to TCU the entire game, and we're talking about a team coming off of playing in a national title that clearly they did the same thing to Michigan. I mean, you look at what TCU did to Michigan in the college football playoffs; they dictated that game in a way that Michigan didn't want to play but had to play, and nearly ended up winning anyways. And so sometimes it just happens; like you don't get to play your version of football, and Colorado absolutely got everything they wanted out of that game, and. They took on a team that was 
you know, in an extreme transition, different quarterback, different, they, you know, the skill, one of the mistakes I think I made when assessing that spread, just look at the skill talent difference between Colorado and TCU. You didn't even need a game to tell you that. You have TCU breaking in a new quarterback. I mean, every one of their rookies, aside from Max Dugan, who was her best player last year, is like fantasy football gold right now yeah, in Dynasty true. Weeks. That's Everybody true. wants Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnson and all of those guys. They're not on TCU anymore, and right. so they had to replace that. So I, I think that I probably should have locked into that more than I did, but I really just came down to it. Didn't think Colorado's defense was going to be ready to to show up, and they didn't play that well, but they hung on. Got two big so turnovers. Yeah. That, that counts. And I really did not think that Colorado's offensive line would be able to help them that much. And that one I'm still a little bit out on because the one area where TCU had success that I think it has to translate for Nebraska Nebraska's defensive front has to be able to control portions of this game. And if you look at what they did against a far better Minnesota offensive line than what they're going to get on Saturday, there should be some confidence that comes out of that, that guys like Nash Hutmacher and Cameron Lenhart and Blaze Gunnarsson and second-half Ty Robinson, which is what I'm (laughs) going to call him the entire time for today's show, those guys are going to be huge for you. I mean, we better be giving game balls to those guys, at least one of them, next week. Yeah. We might be no. able to give helmet stickers. Well, maybe yes, not. We can't yeah, afford we, the game balls. We, we got the <laughs> stickers. to start a whole new segment. Sorry. I think that the biggest that's, thing... That's a 24-7 sports thing. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I think the biggest thing that, that I didn't account for, and obviously you, you, like Mike was saying, the offense being able to mesh after just a couple of months of even knowing each other for a lot of these guys. To me, it was the fact that TCU had the 77th or 78th ranked defense last year and were able to make up for all of it in the other two phases, and lost almost everybody from that defense. So it was a bad defense that got worse. At the same time, Colorado was able to scheme perfectly for it. So I think we so much of looking at that game and that spread wasn't even looking at TCU. It was looking at, I, I don't think Colorado is going to be able to put it all together for game one. Mm-hmm. Not enough eyes were on, well, what the heck is TCU even going to have to put on the field against them? Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, the only other thing I would add, and I think my, you know, Mike basically alluded to this earlier. I'm saying it just a slightly different way is I didn't anticipate Colorado being able to play to its strengths as exclusively as they did, especially on offense. I think what Mike says is exactly right about Colorado's offensive line, but in the end, that didn't become much of a factor no. in that game. because Why? Because Shadur Sanders is doing three-strap drop, drops, and he's got the ball out of his hand before a defensive yep. end can even get to him over and over. Well, and Colorado knows it's going to be different. I mean, you have the quote from one of their wide receivers basically saying they're not expecting man from Nebraska because of what Nebraska showed against Minnesota. I, 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 could, I watched that game, and I could not believe it how often they would run a little quick slant, and they, and they had him open. And, and again, it's nothing taken away from Sanders because a lot of times he went to a second option. He was quick. He was efficient. Uh, but he had open receivers mm-hmm. to throw to. At seven, six, seven, eight yards. Sometimes then they would extend that from there. But it almost became like having a great running game where you can where you yeah. can say on first down, Extension put up the middle the running game and get it passing. eight yards and you got second and two every dang time. Yeah. And you do that time and time and time again. And then what do you do? Well, they start they start pulling back, they start worrying about having tight coverage. They might pull the pass rush back and you pop them deep once. And that worked for the most part too. But it you know I and and Sanders 
I did not realize Shadur Sanders, the quarterback, I, I may have underestimated him a little bit. I didn't realize his numbers were so dang gaudy at Jackson State. You know he had 40 touchdowns and six picks last year? 40 and six. This is where um, I would say that they played in the worst conference in fair the enough. CS. But, fair yeah, enough. I but mean, he looked like 40 again, and six. He looked like 40 and they, six yesterday. They did a lot of what they did against TCU. They got to dictate the style of play. Like if, yeah. when it, teams made them, on, when, when Jackson State lost under Deion Sanders, it was when teams got physical with them. Yeah. It's why they never played, in, in my mind, it's part of why they never played in the FCS playoffs. Because they would get exposed playing Midwest teams that just want to run the football. Mm. Like that, that wasn't the style of that conference. Uh, uh, yeah, and 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 the other thing is, I mean, to me, by far the most interesting matchup of this whole game is going to be Nebraska's secondary up against those receivers from Colorado. And like you said, I think they'll mix up coverages. I mean, I think Nebraska was trying to trying to mess with Kaliakmanis's head the entire game with faking blitzes and going back in coverage. They're going to try it's everything. Three, three, five, That's yeah. they're going to try. Every, well, TCU ran it too, but it felt like theirs wasn't. It, I yeah, don't it's know. a different three three five. Yeah. I think Nebraska's I got better athletes. I still can't it. believe TCU did not make adjustments to get those guys somehow covered in the middle of the field. They might have tried. It just but, never happened yeah. the entire game, and they were able to go back to it like crazy. And then you're also able to get things like. Like a running back out of the backfield and get a pass to to Dylan Edwards and and do those sorts of things as well. Um, yeah, I, I it, it's it's going to be a huge it, it, it's going to be a huge deal if Sanders and that offense can be efficient like they were against TCU. That'll be an issue. Nebraska's defensive backs and hopefully that's the strength of the team. I think it is. Seems like it. I'm just really curious set to see how they'll match up. Um, it's a big challenge for them, but hopefully they're embracing it here at this point. All right, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we are off and running. There's so much to get to with this game. I feel like we're going to be able to go on a lot. We're going to have time to do that. We're going to get into the sound off coming up next. Listen to what the coaches had to say this week. Discuss that. Plus, before the end of the hour, an update. we got some injury updates for you, too, if you missed the news yesterday. It's 627. This is your Friday Husker tailgate on KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it's time. Uh, we're doing two for today, right? Caleb, is that right? Yep, two so, for here, two for later. So uh, we're going to pick two people who text in the keyword to give us a prediction on how many points Colorado scores. Oh, I love the keyword. Yes. So our keyword this week is? Dion. 
Dion, D-E-I-O-N. There it is. Still perfect. Dion, still perfect for the 2023 season with my spelling. Uh, if you text that in to 402-479-1400, you'll be entered to you know what you're not perfect win for? a pick. What's that? You just called it the 22 season. Did I? 2023? I Honestly, like I that. tuned out half of That's amazing. Caleb's usually so fast fact-checking me when I make, <laughs> say stupid things like That's that. That's great. Uh, glad to have you here to do it. It's great. <laughs> this is my favorite, to have all of you around me, all my friends. Um, yes, text that in. <laughs> text that in, and uh, we'll select two people to make a pick. What are our score predictions so far, Caleb? Uh, well, it's been a trend line getting lower and lower. Oh, that's great. Uh, the very first pick, Shane said 35, and then it was a 24 and a 27. Then 17, 16, and Ben says shutout. Shutout! How about that, Mike? If Nebraska shuts out Colorado, that would be a story. I that would be like. fun. That'd be I a, don't think that's going to happen, be but it would be fun. big story. It would be, <laughs> be exciting. All right, uh, Kev, you got any uh, sound for us here this week? Oh, got a few. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to take us all the way back to post-game from, from last week oh. where... Where what, here you can hear the questions on this okay. as, as they go. I know Anthony was running tough on that play before the fumble. Did, had he been doing better with the fumbles as camp was finishing up? I know you said the one late in camp that. It- he had, the, he had, the, he had the, in the scrimmage, you know, he fumbled the football, um, and, um, you know, um, uh, he fumbled it a couple times, and so, um, you know, we, we know that Anthony can make a ton of plays. He has to protect the football, and especially in those moments, right? We're in five points. It's in two minute, four minute. Everyone on the team knows how we want to run the football. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. And, you know, Anthony uh, tried to fight for more yards. Credit to their guys. So saw the replay up there, came in and punched the ball out. That's championship football, and that's, you know, they made the play at the end that we needed to make. We couldn't make a play at the end. And they did. So um, in terms of Anthony, you know, I'm never going to throw a guy under the bus. You know, he, he feels terrible in there, but there were a lot of plays we could have fixed better. Why, he's in, why is he in at that moment if you if seen that concern throughout camp? Yeah, you know, um, uh, Coach uh, Coach EJ put him in, thought he was going to break that run. Uh, he runs that run really well. I thought he made a good run. Um, you know, uh, um, it's just it's what happened, right? You know, I mean, I, I, again, I want, I want to be careful not to say anything that makes me feel like I'm taking a shot at, at uh, Anthony. He's worked hard at his ball security. He ran the ball a lot last year. Um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but um, uh, that was the call that was made. Coach, Coach put him out there. I thought he made a good run, made a guy miss. He had some good runs. Unfortunately, didn't hold the football. I think for us, you know, we got we, we trust the players to go make the plays, and um, um, unfortunately, we didn't make that one. Okay. By the way, I think that was the first time I've ever heard Matt Rule sort of uncomfortable with uh, with some questions that he was being asked or not knowing exactly how to uh, kind of have that communication strategy ready with that whole thing. Um, Mike, Caleb, and I have talked about this. I'm just curious what your thoughts on this are. Yeah, I mean, it in the moment, I, I just remember watching the run thinking, okay, he missed this guy, or he made this guy miss, and then it was just like it looked like the perfect sort of punch out that you would see from Charles Tillman, former mostly known as a Chicago bear. Like they call it the peanut punch mm-hmm. nickname was peanut Tillman. He always did it. And I mean, it was, it was a great football play by that guy. And I thought, and I just like going off the voices, I thought it was Mitch Sherman that asked, I mean, he asked, I, it was an important question to ask. Like, why is he in the game in that situation? And I, I think Matt rule had to know that that was coming, but the hard part is when he is allowing EJ Barthel to set the rotation. You essentially have to say it was another coach's 
decision, which then Then opens it up immediately to, I thought you were the head coach. You're supposed to make every decision, blah, blah, blah. And just as you trust Anthony Grant to make the play, you're trusting EJ Barthel to make that decision. Like, so some of it is uncomfortable because he can't, he's, He's trying to take some ownership of it. He's trying to to give you the the transparency of it, but he also doesn't want to be like, well, yeah, it was his fault. It was his fault, right? You know, so that that's to me why it sounds uncomfortable, right? Is he's searching for the right way of saying, hey, these guys made the call. I accepted it. Everything obviously comes back on me, but here's the thought process. Yeah, I mean. Which, again, I, I appreciate because there's other times and other coaches where we're just going to get, yeah, you made a good football play. Yeah. And it's like, so what when it, what we, it was the guy on the field for the call? Yeah. Like that, we've, <laughs> we've had that. That's Bo Pelini, by the way. Right. That's, that's who's saying that. Right. And I can remember specific instances of that. So, you know, it, it sounds an, a little bit different. But, yeah, that was, <laughs> I mean, one of the three most critical things in that entire game. Yeah, I mean, and it's it in typical Nebraska fashion. It looked like the right decision until it wasn't, because Anthony Grant, if he doesn't fumble that, picks up about twelve yards, and you pretty much put that game away. Oh man, I he guess. made that first guy miss. Yeah, yeah, I I I guess I I just don't know how he's in. I just I mean I don't know how whoever made, wild whoever made the decision. Did Grant even, fumble last year? I don't remember. I think I looked this up. I think he had one last him. year. I think he had last maybe year, one yeah. last year. I know he had and 218 so, carries last I remember year. being stunned when that was, and the way Matt Rule said it in August, and it was really flat, and it was just like the tone of it was just like, whoa, mm-hmm. he must have had a horrible stretch. <laughs> right. And then, you know, for that to happen in the most critical situation in the first game is pretty vintage current age Nebraska. Yeah. I know vintage current age doesn't work, but it, <laughs> it should. Yeah, it, it's it's mostly the... Not why was he in, and then he fumbled. You said he had been he had been fumbling, but if you say that a guy can't get on the field if he can't hang on to the football, how does he? Not just right. in that single instance, how does he get more touches than anyone else outside of the quarterback? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's. I mean, why do you even? I, I don't I, remember his Illinois fumble. He had three fumbles. Uh, one lost against Illinois. Two he didn't lose, one against Indiana, one against North Dakota last year. Uh, as Caleb said, that was in 218 carries last yeah. year. So it wasn't a... Well, I mean, uh, you want more statistical aberration? Jeff Sims threw 188 passes with three interceptions. With three picks, yeah. We, we, yeah we, have, <laughs> so, we haven't even talked about that. I mean, Here's a... Here, here's even the the thing that makes it even more, I think, frustrating probably for fans a little bit is because Gabe Irvin also was looking pretty good during that game and didn't get a lot of opportunities right. where it felt like he should, including the best run of the game, which happened at the end of the third quarter, mm-hmm. where he makes a man miss and he looks like he is running hard. And frankly, he's also probably about four inches on that play from not getting tackled by the shoestring yeah. and taking that to the house and also probably ending that game. I So my counter to that is I think people should get used to the fact that they really aren't going to feature one running back. I mean, I think these guys have largely set plays set formations they want to get them the ball you heard in that quote he basically they felt good about how grant runs that play 
Like they like him specifically for that play call. That's why he was in. Was he in that entire drive? I'm trying to remember. Uh, the drive I mean, wasn't that long. Sure. Drive how was long plays, was that drive? Maybe? I might have yeah, to look it up. Yeah, it was just a couple of plays. Was it just? I can't remember if he got another carry in that or not. I'm going to look real quick. With and it, I mean, he could have rotated in. Well, they had, uh, if I'm remembering right, they had just thrown a pass to Ramir Johnson to pick up the previous first yeah, down. Right? That sounds right. Yeah, I'm gonna. Is that right? Okay. Or or was that the one where they ended up it, throwing the interception? Well, so they were moving before that interception. So, okay, here are the plays. First and 10, Grant for two yards. Yep. Then Irvin for four yards. So Irvin was in on that. Yeah, okay, I corrected. Then Ramir for six yards on a pass. And then Grant for nine yards. Fumbles. He does not fumble that, that ball. That that clock is inside of two minutes, and Minnesota so was, is getting it at the five-yard line. That was on fir- so that was on first down. Yeah. He got nine yards, so you're going to have second and one then. So you're at the Minnesota 47. Right. If he just goes down, yeah. like you don't lose the football. He goes down, he's at the Minnesota 47. Yeah. You have two plays to get one yard. Right. That clock, no matter what, Minnesota is getting inside of using timeouts. Yeah. yeah, probably at that point. Yeah. It's just, it's inches everywhere. Yeah. It's so a, What is that, that Al Pacino line in that movie? The inches we need are all around us or whatever it was. It's exactly there's, there's a lot of lines in that speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are. There I didn't really quote it very well either. All right, what else do we have? Uh, Matt Rule talked on the availability of Henrich, Butler, and Prohaska. Yeah, Jamari Jamari and Nick are up. They're ready to play. So Jamari and Nick are up. Great news for us. Um, Jamari and Nick are up. Teddy's up. So anything anything beyond that will all just be like coaching decision. Uh, Those guys are in shape. I'll be honest with you. Our our medical staff, our, um, you know, uh, Dr. Matisson, you know, our – Training room staff. You know, we hired Chris Peduzzi this offseason, who's with the Eagles for a long time, along with Drew Hamlin, who's been here and um, returned to play, and all those guys. Like, we're pretty, they're pretty elite. So the guys come back, they're in really good shape. So Jamari's full go. Not part of that clip, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda out for the season. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the biggest news uh, on the injury front right now because it's the position where. You could arguably least afford an injury, and somehow that happens every year. My goodness! And then you get that one, and you feel, man, the, that he he's having a hard time playing football right now because he decides not to at the end of last year. Comes back, gets everything back in order, sets up to play again. Man, all of this about Xavier Betts and Isaiah Car- Garcia Castaneda coming back this year. Yeah, I was just thinking the, about the how prodigal this is... sons, and neither of them. Yeah really are going to get any kind of meaningful playing time right. for this entire year for various for various reasons. Um yeah, it's it, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later later in the show in in the morning drive, but Caleb like it does make you it it feels like I understand all of the things Matt Rule has said about who's going to be getting time and who's not at wide receiver, but I still feel like there is somebody who is going to have to pick up some slack that we weren't expecting mm-hmm. in that wide receiver Absolutely. room. And I I don't t- obviously I think we probably learned Marcus Washington is going to be a more focal point of this offense than we realized. Mm-hmm. I think we looked a lot better that, with him in the second half. Yeah, I think so too. First. But I still think Caleb. It's I don't know if it's going to be a freshman. I don't know if it's going to be somebody like a Ty Han or someone. Mm-hmm. But I think they're going to have to have somebody else, some other people as well that you don't expect. I think you're definitely going to have to get it to your tight ends more. Yeah. Uh, because you have to utilize them in the pass game, and I think that opens up Ramirez Johnson a little bit more as well. You can't throw it to Billy Kemp like he's six two. That's a, that was the very first interception. If if Billy Kemp is six foot two, he catches that pass easily, but he's not. And as a matter of fact, yeah. besides those guys, you talk about people who need to step up. Matt Rule talked about the young receivers that might be getting another opportunity. Yeah, I think Malachi's done a really nice job. Um, Malachi's uh, really. Um, 
uh, took a step this week, which I think we needed, and I'm um, excited for him. Josh Fleeks, I thought, had a good week. You know, as an older guy who's played a lot of football for me in the past, um, he's definitely a playmaker. So we hopefully utilize him, and then I think Jalen's coming along. So um, you know, we have uh, we have a group of guys that can all really run. So just uh, just got to get him in the game. Yeah, uh, Jalen Lloyd, you're referring to there from Omaha Westside. They had a one play written up for him just because he's the fastest guy on the field. So they they tried to get him going, and actually, I mean, had some success with it too. That's the oh. old Xavier Betts usage. Yeah. They they probably get, had, get him going right. lateral and get to the edge. Don't forget, they had the one play for Tommy Hill where it's like Tommy beat the defender, and Tommy did beat the defender. And he was underthrown. Do you think that was one play for him or he was in because they were short on numbers? I think that was specifically he's the best athlete that's that interesting. we've got in this situation. It, it's interesting you say that because there was a lot of there were a lot of people saying, oh, man, how bad, you know, how bad of a situation is this if you're putting Tommy Hill in this play no. instead of the other receivers that you've got in the room? I don't. So it hasn't played out how you would want, but a lesser version of Travis Hunter in Florida for preps was Tommy Hill. Played two ways, played special teams. He had one game one year where he scored six touchdowns, two on defense, one return, and three on offense. Like the, He is that kind of player. There's a reason why he's bounced between wide receiver and, and defensive back, and no one's really quite settled on it because it might be one of those things where he's pretty good at all of it but not great at any of yeah. it. Uh, but he is a great athlete, so if you're going to use him and it's basically like, okay, run as fast as you can, we're just running a flyer out here, and we're going to try to catch him because they didn't do that. I mean, you the concepts in their passing game, I think if they could go back and change some things, Caleb talked about throwing to to Billy Kemp like he's six foot two. I don't know why you're running that route with him in the first place. Because one, Minnesota's got bigger defensive backs. I mean, so, and three guys standing there. And you've got to if you're going to get Billy Kemp the ball in that game against Minnesota, you got to probably do it closer to the line of scrimmage. Like they didn't. I was stunned thinking back on it. The two guys that they didn't really utilize in the fashion that I keep thinking that someone will would be the idea of you get the quick throws to Billy Kemp on like a quick slant or something quick underneath. And then the just dump offs to Ramir. Like yes, I, exactly. When are we going to see exactly. more of those quick throws to Ramir? Like I watched Colorado do that to TCU with Dylan Edwards, and I don't think Ramir Johnson has the upside. Like I think Dylan Edwards is going to be a Sunday player. Yeah, I don't think that Ramir is necessarily that. I know Ramir can do what Dylan Edwards did to TCU, and yet we didn't see that concept from Nebraska. Forgive and me. that surprised me. Go back and watch 2021. I mean, Ramir Johnson. I, I don't know how many times I've said this people in the last forget, two years. He was like uh, he was the best player on the field against the college football playoff team yeah, for Nebraska. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, we talk. You you hit exactly nail on the head, Mike, what I was thinking and have said several times this week is we talk about the lack of big play guys on this Nebraska offense. Well, I mean, it really hurts. It's already maybe an issue, but if you have Marcus Washington out for a half, if you don't get the ball to Billy Kemp and you don't use Ramir Johnson or your and, tight end and yeah. a tight end and you know, I I'm not I don't know what's going to be the case with Fedoni, but if neither of those four things those are arguably arguably like your four highest ceiling yeah. playmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could throw Irvin and or Grant in there with that. Yeah, I mean, but, beyond Sims. like yeah, Those are the guys that you need. Right, behind yeah. Sims. Those guys, at least getting the ball in their hands in the passing game. Right. Those four, and they were Washington. It was partially a function of him not being available. But the other three is like, they were never involved yeah. in the entire. And you've got to get the, listen, this offense doesn't have to be like it was against Minnesota. You're not completely bereft of guys, even though you are probably more shorthanded than you would like to be. But my goodness, 
why Billy Kemp doesn't have a bunch of those catches that the Colorado receivers had against TCU throughout the season, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and some of it's a function of Minnesota's got a really good secondary. I mean, that's, that's true. The strength that's of that strength. team. Yes. Uh, yes, and it showed up on on Thursday. Real quickly, I, this isn't wide receiver related, but it goes into the quote that he had that Caleb played. Nebraska played great football without two of what they would consider to be their starting linebackers and Jamari Butler and Nick Henrich. So getting those guys back against Colorado and Butler in particular, I don't think this is a game where you're going to use a lot of Nick Henrich because he's more north-south. Butler in particular could be another pass-rushing threat for you uh, and someone coming off of the edge. You're going to spell MJ Sherman with him. I don't know that he's going to give you, you know, all of the snaps in the world, it being its first game at altitude, all of that coming off of injury, wouldn't be shocked at all if Jamari Butler flashes some of that pass rushing potential. I mean, he's been one of their, I, I think it was Damon Benning said to me in the press box before the Minnesota game, he thought that Butler was a significant blow for kind of what their defense was with how good he had uh, a fall camp. So this is a guy that, you know, has kind of flown under the radar this week. They're getting him back at kind of the perfect time for it mm-hmm. because you can you can spell MJ Sherman or you can spell him with MJ Sherman and you keep guys fresh that way. Yep. Uh, quietly, a, a big part of Nebraska's week, I think, is getting I, Jamari Butler back. Let's. I want to bookmark that conversation about the linebackers, who's used, how they're used against Colorado because I think there's a lot of stuff I, I, yeah. I want to get into with that. But we'll have more time. Uh, what, with that one later. quick note, just because you guys, as you guys were talking, it made me think of something as you talk about. That was a design and a concept for Tommy Hill. And we heard that. We like that package for Anthony Grant. You saw Heinrich Harburg come in. Yes. I'm Jalen fe- Lloyd. Yeah, I'm fearful of this offense becoming predictable based on who's on the field because they like guys in certain things. They don't like guys to do a lot of things. I, I think the thing is, the further you get into the season, the more you're going to see those guys in different situations. Well, you have to. I mean, Heinrich Harburg was on the field simply to put that on film that you have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if you're a defensive coordinator, why the hell is there backup quarterback line? And he was taking snaps with the second team before that game. So if you want, like, a clue as to who's coming in if there's an injury, it looks like it's Heinrich Harburg. Why the hell is he lined up at H-back? Why do they do If that? you're a defensive Get- coordinator, you're thinking, okay, is there, are they going to try to run this on me? Is this going to be some sort of right. – and then they – they obviously their one touchdown came on a broken trick play, so they're willing to do things. <laughs> Good, that's true. because so, we should, I, we should have true. seen this the last few years well, with Logan think, Smothers, and we should have seen it with yeah. Luke McCaffrey. I get it that they yeah. they both ended up having to come in and start football games, but get your guy, get your playmakers on the field, do something. I mean, that's that's what this year is going to be. I think you're going to get a lot of weird kitchen sink moments out of this offense because straight up, I think they're going to struggle to score points. Mm-hmm. I still don't understand why, what Har- you bring Harbor get. You've got other tight end, like, and you still you didn't get the ball to Fedoni. The it's all by game. you know, it's, get it on film. Yeah, I guess so. All right, you, you got <laughs> another three one. weeks when Harburg tosses a seventy yard pass to Tommy Hill. You're going to be like, wow, I didn't see this coming. Oh. I'll, I'll just play one more. Rule yeah. talked about the team blocking out the hype and all of the talk around this week. Yeah, I, I start the season off by you know I, every year I delete Twitter and Instagram, um, and I just kind of live my life old school. I you know if I want to get the news, I read the, the paper. You guys all do a great job, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, but the players don't. So. You know, I haven't seen them in any way. You know, we don't talk about those things. We nothing about this game for us is anything other than football. It's a great opportunity versus a great opponent. Um, that's me. That's the coaching staff. You know, the players—they've been very focused. They've been very locked in. Our practices have been really, really hard. You know, they've been really, really hard, and uh, I think our guys have responded really well. Small note there that he says consistently. 
practices have been hard. Not, we had a great week of practice. We had the best week of practice you've ever seen. I'll tell you what, it looked like a team that hit in practice. That's one thing I will tell you about. Yeah, you want to look at the TCU-Colorado game and a difference there. The tackling <laughs> in that game and the tackling Man, in Minnesota-Nebraska the tackling totally different. and the getting to the ball quickly for that yeah. Nebraska defense, I was... There were some things that were really impressive in that, and I look forward to talking to them more here on the Tailgate Show. We'll grab a break now, though. 651, 59 degrees on your Friday morning on KLIN. When you're think 57 for the overnight low, mostly sunny to partly sunny on Saturday, high near 85, just 75 on Sunday with a chance of rain. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brett Anderson. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIF. I want to touch on one thing here. we got just a couple of minutes before we have to take a break, but did you guys hear... Dion and Shadur's quotes about the about the rivalry and they I mean they were embrace I mean they didn't say anything absurd but they were embracing it yeah. and and you, you know I don't know rule it doesn't sound like is is gonna try and fan that flame whatsoever uh, about the previous rivalry with the two of them. no he he just sounded like in his words where he said it's personal and to me that was him saying. <laughs> I'm going to make it personal because that's what it is for this fan base in the school. But like Dion that's what doesn't Dion said Yeah, to yeah, me. Dion doesn't well, they have made, like Shadur had a said he had a red shirt on and he had to take it off and there. That's and been like, a rule that, in there though. I know, but that feels so forced in some ways with them. Whatever, do what you want. But always been the thing with Colorado Nebraska like the Colorado side has always kind of been the one that fans the flames and the Nebraska side always acts like it's above it. It's true, but they say they hate Nebraska. I don't believe them. <laughs> I don't think they do. Oh, the Sanders? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't believe. I mean, they have. Would a few it surprise of the guys. me if, for some reason, Deion Sanders just hates Nebraska? I honestly no. don't think those guys, the players, know enough about Nebraska to hate it. Probably not. I don't. I mean, my concern on this is so low that this specific topic—it's fun though. Because the last two years, we asked a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-olds about what they knew about the Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry. And that was stupid, too? Yes. I, I mean, I both can be bad. Well, I mean, Blaze, Blaze Gutterson was asked about it on Wednesday, and his response was, when I was a recruit, Nebraska played Colorado, and I remember it being a big deal. It was like 2018, right? 2019. 2019. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, that uh, that about sums it up. Yeah, nobody wants to talk about that stuff but me, right, and people about my age. With it, with this whole thing, but I, you know, I get Dion is a, a little, good podcast for you, people what, my age, people my age, and just yeah. all topics about yeah. things that only yeah. you and people your age now, care about. The I Space think, Jam line, Dion, I think at least has some because he was he was playing he was playing right as Colorado was kind of building up, and he's you know, did you read that article? By the way, shout out, uh, was it Evan Bland who wrote this article on Broderick Thomas and Deion Sanders and their relationship in the World Herald, mm-hmm. uh, former linebacker? I saw you shared it. I didn't read it. It is fascinating uh, about how close those two are uh, even now, still at this point. And so read that. But anyway, I don't. Listen, whatever. I, I think everybody wants to win. I think everybody on the field coaching this game has enough stakes on this thing already. I don't feel like <laughs> I the, love how the it, rivalry of this whole thing is going to impact it in all that three much. Minutes, it for me. In three minutes, you went from how can they have these feelings to whatever. Believe what you guys want. But, but I just... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I just I think I think Colorado's doing a little cosplaying of of angry fan that they're really not here at this point. That's all. That's I all. I mean, I'm saying. some of their fans are doing cosplaying of college football fans because they haven't been one. That's for a also while. true. So. That's also true. Um, yes, and, and again, they would admit that. I don't think that's a shot. And I think we, I think we made a, a big enough deal about this yesterday. But I again want to send out a hearty congratulations. I know it's a game against these two schools, right? And I know there's been some bad blood in the past between Nebraska and Colorado. But in all seriousness, a hearty congratulations uh, to the Colorado Buff fans for. It sounds like being able to fill up their stadium at a 60% of full capacity. Projected with 60%. Colorado. Projected according to algorithms from a third-party ticketing site. 60%. It, you're on the road to be in a big-time, big-time college football powerhouse. Can't believe they on would the fill up this neutral site game with 60% of the fans. Uh, all right. Hey, coming up during the 7 o'clock hour, we got a lot more. We are going to give away our helmet stickers next, guys. Ooh, do you know who you're giving them to? I wrote them down. I'm going to give one away that's going to shock everyone. They may not even. It's going to be amazing. Let's look at Jack's roster. And then we're going to count them down, the five things you're going to be talking about this football weekend. And a look at the Big Ten as well. Have perceptions changed already after one week on the conference? It's 658 on KLIN. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Is it near any school buses? If you come across anything that gets in your way, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. That's a quick check of your time saver traffic. Both elect the wing to the near side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick to tackle. 45, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody's thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit, dropped. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics. Who's showed out this week? We award helmet stickers next. Presented by Blur Events on 1499.3 KLIN. All right. Helmet stickers are here. Uh, We always enjoy this time of year where Mike, Caleb, and I 
take virtual helmet stickers and we slap them on the virtual helmets of the players on the team. And you know they're talking about it in the new fancy locker room. They're talking about it when they're sitting in the new spa hot tub thing out there at the new addition to Memorial Stadium. They're talking about who's got the most virtual helmet stickers. Can we? It's a big deal. Can we, at the end of the year, come up with some sort of plaque or something that we can we give should. to? I like that. Give to the player that has the most helmet stickers, and here's why: what I really want is for it to appear in the the notes in the <laughs> the upcoming media guide. That you know, like let's say last year, I think it would have been Brian Buscini, right? Uh, that Brian Buscini won the KLIN Husker Tailgate <laughs> Show Helmet Sticker Award right. for his performance in 2020. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want that to be a it's line. Like, it's like Academic All-American, yeah. uh, Brooke Berenger Citizenship Award, uh, eight helmet stickers in yeah. the 2022 season. Blur events, please just get it back in touch with us. We're going to make this happen. That'd be good. Yeah, that would, that would be nice. Well, uh, this is how we kind of... Uh, Nebraska doesn't have literal helmet stickers, of course. Uh, some schools do. If you see an Ohio State game or maybe a Florida State game, you'll see the little stickers on the back that are usually awarded to players for certain accomplishments of merit. And so since Nebraska doesn't have them, we give out virtual ones to try and kind of get a gauge of who is showing out during the course of this season. Now, Mike, you were not here last week, and so we had Josh Peterson pick your team. Have you seen your team? Yeah, I see. I'm not getting any helmet stickers <laughs> for the first week. Uh, just, so to, just well, to go over, yeah. Mike's team is uh, Jeff Sims, uh, Billy Kemp, MJ Sherman and Tristan Alvano. My team is Gabe Irvin, Isaiah Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, unbelievable. Luke Reimer and Thomas Fedoni. And Caleb's team is uh let's see, uh, is that you Ramirez? Took Garcia Ramirez Castaneda before Kemp went. That's incredible. Yeah. And nobody took Marcus. Is that, Washington. Is, is that number three? Is that Ramirez? That's Ramirez. Ramirez Johnson, Bushini with his second pick overall. Wow. Uh Newsom and Singleton. Uh so Caleb's looking. I knew where the value was. Good okay. Right now. So I only have three going into the season, unfortunately. But uh, in any case, let's go through this and we'll do our. Uh, let's just go to our order in the same that we did the picks. So, Mike, since uh, since you were, I believe, in is that because he was last place last year? Yes. Is that why we did? All right. So, I was Mike, last place last you year. You got last place in, in the, the, the helmet. Oh, in the helmet. In the helmet sticker, sticker okay. draft. In the we've, picks. We concocted. We're basically picks, playing fantasy football with our gotcha. own game. <laughs> it's it's. it's well, real, and I deserve last. Very, I I had a terrible draft. It's last, very mad. So that's fair. So. Uh, so yeah, Mike, who do you want to go with for your first helmet sticker? Yeah, um, you know, we'll just go ahead and get this started right away. We'll reward Caleb for his aggressive pick of <laughs> Brian Buscini. Uh, auto wreck helmet sticker. It started last year. It continues into this season. I don't know if you guys saw his punts and oh, the, the ability that he had to flip the field very early on when Nebraska needed it in this game. He absolutely brought it. Brian Buscini continues to be a huge piece of why Nebraska special teams is way arrow up. You you remember how horrible it was in 2021 and where we are now? Like last year, it was solid. On Thursday, it was great. Special teams were great for Mm -hmm. Nebraska. How often do we say that? I I definitely could have given him one. Uh, I completely agree. And I thought of it, Mike, as I always do. As soon as the the moment I see that first punt boom off his leg, I'm like, helmet sticker. (laughs) Cannot wait to be back in Memorial Stadium and get that. I I tweeted as much during games before. (laughs) It's very true. Just go ahead and put that one down for me. Uh, I am going to, to, Kyle, there was, 
I'm going to give one to one player, but I think it represents what a lot of people did, uh, especially in the secondary for Nebraska, but just I think generally too. So I'm going to give it to Omar Brown, right, because he got he got the pick. But he, I was talking earlier in the show about how I was just sort of, I really noticed Nebraska, it sounds like a cliche, but swarming to the ball and, and getting to the ball quickly and getting a lot of guys to the ball quickly and hitting... I saw this team hitting harder than I've seen them hit for a lot of years, and Omar Brown was the part of that. Also had a couple of deep ball coverage, which, listen, if I were on the other side, if I was a Minnesota fan, I'd be complaining about pass interference, but guess what? He figured out a way to actually get away with it and make the play. Singleton had one of those, too. Singleton probably could have been in this spot as well, but I'm going to give it to Omar Brown as a newcomer, a guy I think probably really wanted that game because he's from the Minneapolis area originally. Uh, I'm excited about him. I'm excited about this entire secondary, the depth that's there. I mean, goodness sakes, he's still on a Buford who's playing with him as well, who yep. would be part of this. And they so, like a lot of their freshmen too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited about that. But Omar Brown, I thought he had a really good game. I think he's going to be a boon to this defensive backfield. So I'll go with Omar Brown. Well, so that I don't double up any of those as a foreshadowing to what my other picks are. Uh, Nash. Hutchmaker, as they loved to say on on the uh, the call, Hutmaker. He had a sack, he had a QB hurry, and he was a big part of making Minnesota become a lot more one-dimensional to where they had to pass the ball. Yeah, they had a couple of runs, and yes, at the very end there was a, a short run and then a face mask that moved Minnesota into field goal range. But I think Nash was a big part of helping out with that defensive line to make it so that Minnesota couldn't just establish a run game and had to put it in the air a lot more. Mike, number two. Yeah, Jack uh, said pretty much everything that needed to be said about Omar Brown. I'm going to be giving him one as well. But now I have a request to the Nebraska PA system. I mean, every time Omar makes a play, you should play Farmer in the Dell, like the whistle from the wire. Just just do a callback to the wire, the the Omar character there. <laughs> the Omar character every the time wire. he would appear on screen, he'd either be whistling or there'd be Farmer in the Dell in the background. All right. I, I think we could bring that forward. Omar coming. Um, yeah. I okay, so I didn't I didn't think anybody else would have this one, but Caleb just had it. I was gonna give one to the polar bear hutmacher too, actually. Um guess where my third one's going. Is okay, so yeah. my well let's just let's talk <laughs> just about do it. it. Let's yeah. just talk about it together then. I rewatched that game. They had a nice thing on YouTube where it got out all the, the huddles and stuff, and I watched the pass rush specifically. I wanted to figure out kind of and, and the blitzing and all that. I wanted to get better acquainted. And although he had some plays, he didn't um you know, he didn't have Tons of tackles for loss in that game or anything. But I could not believe how often that he, even when being double teamed, that he got a push back into that defensive backfield. He, or excuse me, into that, into that offensive backfield. I was incredibly impressed watching just, just watching play after play. Or in a lot of cases, what it was was occupying two offensive linemen to allow this this linebacking core to come in clean to let Luke Reimer fly in there, right, uh, or Bullock fly in there and make a play. But I just thought what I didn't notice it as much during the game. But after I watched it again, I was really bullish on what Hutmacher is going to be able to do. And if he can collapse that pocket a little bit on those short passes against Colorado right in the interior, and I think it might be there to be had, that could make a big difference in the game. So what yeah. do you want to add on, Nash? I, I just want to say, I mean, it it is amazing how much dis- disruptive defensive front can do for a defense. And we haven't seen that a lot at Nebraska in the last couple of years. And so uh, for Nash to come on the way that he did against Minnesota, I think it's big, and I think it – it lends itself to, to allowing you to think 
big things. I, I also think a lot of this is Terrence Knighton. I mean, I, I went into the year thinking the defensive line was going to be a strength uh, for Nebraska, and there is nothing that happened in that first game that makes me think otherwise against, again, a team that I expect to have a pretty good offensive line in Minnesota. So I, I think the arrow is way up for Nebraska's defensive front, and it's led by Nash Hutma. He's going to be a problem for for interior offensive lines that aren't. Yeah. Oh yeah. That aren't. aren't I mean, if you have to big. commit two guys to him, that's such a huge yeah. advantage. Yes, and Minnesota and, did. And we remember in 2021 when Damian Daniels was wrecking things. Like teams had to commit two to him, and who benefited? JoJo Doman. Yeah. Who's going to benefit here? Probably Luke Reimer. It's mm-hmm. cool to see him come on like this because yeah. he's gone through that process, right? Through through the process. It's hard and, to remember. A lot of these guys aren't as old as you think that they are. Yeah. And so this is like when you would <laughs> expect someone like that to really come. Yeah, on, and here he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Caleb. My second one is going to go to Omar Brown as well. Yes, obviously <laughs> wow. had the had the interception. And you talked about guys flying to the football. He had a team high seven tackles, five of those solo. Did a great game. wow. It was it was phenomenal. I didn't even realize to that. see see him running around. And now he's going to be necessary for stuff like that because who did Minnesota not throw the ball on? Quentin Newsom. Yeah. I think you're going to start to. Yeah, you're you're gonna see. Is that true? Wow, uh, I didn't there, know that. There was one in the first half where it was a little. It was on a third down that they did a little slant, and and I don't think he had another. I think I don't think they threw. So they just went after the entire game. exclusively. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the linebackers. Wow. Yeah. So you, I did not notice that. So you're time. starting to get a couple of guys in your secondary that uh, when guys are scheming offensively, they have to look and go. Well, those guys make plays. So how are we going to scheme to not not target those guys? And Omar Brown made himself that guy last Thursday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, we are unanimous almost on this thing. This is impressive. All right, so Mike's giving away all three of his mm-hmm. then at this point, so I get to go again on this one. I'm going to go a little deeper on this one, but stay on the defensive side. One of the things I had to do with this game, and I don't know about you guys, but I had to have a nearby me, I put it on my phone, was a roster. <laughs> yeah. Because, and I'm going to again this Sitting week right as well. in front of me in front of my computer. Mm-hmm. And there was a linebacker that there. Were, I saw a few plays in there, and I saw him a couple times, and he wasn't doing anything at the beginning. I had zero idea who he was. And then I saw that they had him on uh, Brevin Spanford, Minnesota's tight end, probably their best offensive player. They had him covering him. And that was number 33. And I went back again, and I, I watched that entire defense. You learned about Javen Wright? And Javen Wright. Oh, my goodness. Brian Christopherson has a massive crush on Javen Wright. I do, too. He, I he just talks about him without prompt anymore. He Okay, but here's the thing. And I think if I'm Nebraska... He looks like exactly what you need at the linebacker position. You are Brian Christopherson against right this now, Colorado yeah. team. Why? Because he I heard is a, this exact thing. He twice is a this week cover though, linebacker, yeah. and he is six five. Mike, he's a safety that moved a linebacker. He is a cover <laughs> linebacker, and he span Ford. Span Ford had like a quietish, like sixty yards in this game. When I came into this game and I was worried about Minnesota's offense, I was worried about Spanford doing to what tight ends Getting do. Getting like 130 yards off the play See, Iowa tight ends over yep. the years, all of that. And it wasn't just right on him, but they put right. I'm pretty sure they said in a few situations when they were manning up, they were like, Wright's our best guy to get this guy. And he didn't do a lot. He had a big catch at the end of the game, did yep. Spanford. But he was not what beat Nebraska on offense, really, mm-hmm. for the entire game. And it was not only that, but he would they would also get him in on pass uh pass rush too i don't know and you know in a week i didn't notice it as much until i did the rewatch of the game but i wouldn't be surprised if nebraska's defense looks really good um 
on on Saturday, he's going to be a big part of that. And I, I suppose now that you talked about Jamari Butler, too, I mean, it could be. We've thought a lot about Reimer and Henrich at this linebacker oh. position. It could as much be 10 and 33 as those guys. I think that's where the three three five allows you to kind of flex some depth and use different uh, pieces. I mean, Brian Christofferson, my coworker, talked a lot about how a guy like Dylan Edwards, you can get Javen Wright who can run with him a little bit because he's not as fast, but he is – long and so it makes it harder to throw some of those passes he can track them down he can run with them the amount it's it's an interesting idea to to that point the amount of variety in terms of type of linebacker that nebraska's got right now because you're (laughs) going to bring henrich back and you're going to bring reimer back i think for his size is a pretty good cover guy but you've got you've got bullock too i mean that that's getting it and those guys i mean they're going just you know nose down when they're blitzing and they're going it they're not necessarily cover first right. guys like some of the there's just a lot of variety that you can mix and well, match and with those what, linebackers to to his credit that's what eric shenander wanted to do when they were recruiting for their their three fours they wanted to have different types of pieces to mix and match because the big 10 is a unique conference where you get varied offensive style week in and week out you got to have these different pieces and javen wright was someone they really liked right away yeah, uh, and obviously, you know, he's the son of Toby Wright, and yep. he's got the the Nebraska great hitter. Connection. You Toby want to talk Wright. about someone who knows about the Colorado oh, rivalry? Toby Wright was such a great hitter. He was an all time mm-hmm. bring the wood guy. But right, I just imagine, right, I just imagine one of the smaller Colorado wide receivers, you know, trying to go over the middle and writes in zone cut, maybe in a surprise zone coverage or backs off a blitz, and you got a long guy at six five. He is back long, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. all right, what do you got? My Go last on. one, Brian Buschini. Ah! Three punts, all three in the inside the twenty. That when you're playing a kickoffs, it, it was yeah. He did a kickoff. When, when you're talking about needing to play field position in the way that that game was playing itself out, had to have a punter not make a mistake. And Brian Buschini did not make a mistake. <laughs> so, out of nine helmet stickers, we gave them to four players. Uh, you two with the carbon copy exact three no. for both of you. Only my Javen Wright changed things just a little bit. So There's really not to be... I mean, Ramir Johnson is someone that I thought about uh, potentially with the kick highlighting. Return, the kick return, yeah. Um, you know, there, but there's not like there was a ton of other players where I felt like... You know, a Maybe lot of it would have been Irvin, but... individually Blaze Gunnarsson, Ty Robinson, a lot of those defensive linemen, but it's like Nash was the best out of it, so... Um, yeah. I, I didn't feel like there was going to be a lot of variety yeah. with this one. Sing, sing, uh, Singleton, too, I would have put, but Omar Brown just yep. stood out same so thing. much. It was kind no, of the it's, same it's thing. It's fine. There. You actually looked at who took Singleton in the draft and said, I have to give it to someone else. Yeah, that's what I did. I play <laughs> I play our game that has really no stakes other than pride. <laughs> All right, let's grab a break right now. We're going to count down the five things you're talking about on this Husker morning. It's a Friday Husker tailgate morning drive, and that's coming up next at 722. You're listening to the... You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your four. 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Friday Oscar Tailgate on KLIN. If you come across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Lofgren. 
five topics to get you going for game day. It's a special Friday edition of the Morning Drive on the Friday Husker Tailgate. All right, it's time to count it down. It's the Morning Drive, Friday Husker Tailgate edition. It's brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. Let's get into the topics that you've been... I mean, it's kind of hard to narrow it down to just five. It's just been about this game generally, but we'll try and get a little bit more specific into some of the nooks and crannies about this game. So, without any further ado, let's get it started with... Number five. Everyone's curious tomorrow how much red is going to be in the stands. You heard the Colorado administrator say, keep the red out. Don't sell your tickets to Husker fans. Well, the Denver Post is reporting that as they talked to VividSeats.com, they are projecting with their fan forecast algorithm, 60% of the crowd at Folsom oh. Field will be wearing gold on Saturday. Is that a win for Colorado? No, no, absolutely not. I can't believe they're... I That's can't the believe, headline. It, it, by the way, just to clarify for... I mean, I'm sure Colorado fans are clarifying that. The fans themselves didn't necessarily proclaim this a victory. Nope, it's, it's it all was, of them. It was Sean Keeler's piece that the headline sort of declared it a bit of a victory, which I don't know if he wrote or not. Sean Keeler, who largely makes his career out of writing about Nebraska living in states of Iowa and Colorado yes. over the last eight years. Yeah professional troll Sean Keeler. <laughs> I'm just going to straight up say that. I would say it to his face. I mean, this guy just does this all the time. Yeah. He picks a topic, writes about Nebraska, puts it on the internet, and watches as everyone Well, reacts. and if you get, you know, listen, he got his article retweeted a lot. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I think at one point that thing had 12 favorites, about 40 replies, and 100 some quote tweets. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and when I had gotten to that story, it had... No retweets and two likes. Yeah. yeah. So, so Caleb did it. Our bad guys. Caleb started the fire. <laughs> no, but in, in my all- defense, Jack found it first. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> now, now, it will be. It'll it'll be interesting to know to see what it's. I've still never been to Boulder. That's one place I have never been to a game in Boulder. I know it kind of is. You have like all these stories about everything else. You never got over to Boulder. I've been to Ames a bunch. I've been to Columbia multiple times. Is it because of the timing around Thanksgiving? I think that's probably part of it, and it's further away. And there's a little bit like honestly, and when I was younger, at least, if I mean, so we're going back to like the early '90s when I would have been like 13, 14, like. I heard a horror story. Not like I was the one who was deciding if I was going, but like the legend of how bad it was there was pretty intense yeah. back, say, 88 to 93 or something like that. About, you know, from car tires to urine balloons to pick your pick your, pick your your thing for them. But um, so I, I've never been up there, so I can't quite get the feel, but I have a feeling it's going to be. Colorado fans, for the first time in a while, are going to be feeling themselves in a way that they haven't necessarily since those 90s games. Nebraska fans are probably going to be very annoying to them, I'm going to guess. It's going to be very annoying when they get it. You know how... I don't even like seeing that little corner of the Memorial Stadium that's got the opposing fans ever. I always... It always frustrates me to see that. I can't imagine what it would be like to see your entire... To see your entire stadium. How dare those 400 North Dakota fans show up? I know. I don't... You you would be annoyed to see 34,000 opposing fans in Memorial Stadium? Do we really think it could be 60-40? Like, do you think that's an? You think that's possible? Well, I have no idea, especially because I don't know if their algorithm takes into effect, takes into account the Colorado addresses that are Husker fans. Yeah, as who well. knows? How is I a mean, ticket? How is a third party ticket site figuring that out with an algorithm? I don't even believe that. 
because they're getting a cut of Sean Keeler's clicks. <laughs> it's a big conspiracy. It's a big... But all that said, all of that said, this is just another thing. And I shouldn't allow myself to do this, but I'm going to for a minute. Because if this is the peak of joy, this is the peak of joy thinking about joy. But I'll tell you what, if they pull that off in there, in the celebration that kicks off in that stadium among Nebraska fans, and the the just the backlash of Nebraska winning this game, and I talked about Colorado fans feeling themselves, oh my gosh, Nebraska fans are going to... This game, you win this game, and it didn't look like this 10 days ago. You win this game, and this thing is as big of a win in this program as you've had since I don't know when. I would venture to say it would be bigger than the Oregon win in in Lincoln back in, what, 2016? Which well, that, that was also your last ranked win. That's your last ranked win. I think you have to go further back than that. How much in terms that? of the joy, in terms of just what it would mean to this fan base. I, and, and a big part of that is because of what the conversation has been over the last it's about week the conversation. surrounding it's Deion because, Sanders in it's Colorado. Because, yeah, absolutely. It's because it's Deion. It's, but it's also because you're at – because there are such divergent paths, a win and a loss, take this – the perception of this program in. I'm not going to buy into this game as determining Matt Rule's future. I don't believe it is. But the perception is going to go that way. And this it's just going to be such an – if they could do it, an impactful win with the eyes on it of the nation – with Nebraska fans just having this new, renewed, different disdain for Colorado that I think a lot of them are having. All of it. It would just be so much fun that I don't even want to allow myself to think about it. You know, you just basically put because a ton I, of thought into it as you just I talked know. about it. <laughs> because you know what? I started doing it against when Nebraska's driving down the field against Minnesota. I start, That's the thing about these losses is I get to a point mentally, and I know I shouldn't allow myself to do this, but your team has a 97% win expectancy. It's pretty dang hard <laughs> not to start playing out the next few hours and days of your life and what they will look like as a result of that win. And by God, I've done that so many times with this team, and then they haven't won. What fascinates me about the difference between how you and I approach if your team is winning or not is you care so much more about the communal reaction to it and I just want the one that goes in the left side of the column. <laughs> but no. you don't even seem to care about the column. I want the you a- care about throwing a party. Mike, I want the winning the party. I, I want the win. winning experience. <laughs> no, I want you- the full-fledged winning experience. The I entire package. I want the deluxe package. I think all you want is to be able to go on Twitter and just be able to celebrate. I, I do. Literally, I think that's all that matters. I, I want to go on Twitter and celebrate. I want to pop champagne. I want to do things that people do. I want to see that one in that column no. over there. I, I just ordered- want to not talk people off a ledge for a week. I want to, yes, I want the things that won't happen after a loss <laughs> people, to not happen. Mean, uh- I mean, people. Yeah, I don't want to go emo <laughs> on Twitter for eight hours after the game. You think oh, I God. enjoy that? I don't want to watch the. Tell. I don't want to watch the end of a game happen and go, man. Jack's going to be fun at six o'clock on Monday morning. Uh, that that's that's where I'm at. Well, I'm, I'm gonna warn you right now. <laughs> if this thing looks like they're going to win late in the game and they don't win it, I'm going to take it to a new level. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's, it's it. going to be a dashboard confessional night for me if that happens. <laughs>
number four. When Nebraska settled on Jeff Sims as their quarterback this year, there was some concern about his history of turnovers. That said, last year at Georgia Tech, he only threw three interceptions over nearly 200 attempts. Thursday night, added three more. Do we think this game was an outlier, or is that going to be the norm in Lincoln? Man, I, I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about this. It looked like all of his his three interceptions. One, he was under pressure. The first, not that I'm excusing it, but he was under he was under pressure. The other two, the second two, it wasn't even that he was under pressure. It looked like he had, like I sometimes do in Madden, I decide who I'm passing to at the very beginning, and I'm going to pass to him hell or high water. That's what it looked like on both of the second two. I think it was Billy Kemp both times, wasn't it? For the second two, the one in the end zone, and then uh, and then the one at the late, late in the game. The one at the end, set at the end of the yeah. game. It just looked like he had. The, he just didn't. It, it looked like he was locked on to the guy. No well, the the third one, he was open. I think Sim was late getting it to him, and he That's also right. had, had bad mechanics. I mean, he he threw off of back. the side of his foot with no pace on that throw, so it just floats in the air. Like, if he steps into that throw and delivers a strike, like, that's an open play. Like, it, the process was good. He was open. He just didn't – the execution was so bad. What's, I mean, and then that's the thing, bringing up, bringing up the mechanics. He hit uh, Marcus Washington on a good route to where he stepped into it, and when he let go of that ball, it was like, well, maybe Washington's a little covered. Nope, that was a great ball. Yeah, no, put it, put I, it I know on exactly the money. which one you're talking about. Yeah. So it's – I think some of the frustrating things with a guy like Jeff Sims is that – from play to play, you're getting a slightly, like, I mean, you get a throw like that, he could absolutely put it into a tight window. When he's sort of falling off to the side and just floating it out there, just allowing every, the the one intercept, like, the first one, trying to make a play under duress, whatever. The third one, I understood the thought process. The second one's unforgivable. Like, yeah. the second one is the one that never should have happened. I still have no idea, like... I'm in the press box, and I turn to Brunson. I just kick the field goal now. Don't mess with any of it. Take the 3-3 at halftime. That is a huge win for you. You're getting the ball to start the second half. You have all of the momentum, and you're playing better football. Take the three points. Man. And they should have had six there. Well, they should. that's a whole other discussion. Well, even, yeah. I guess there's two of them. There's the replay, and then there's the... And then there's the penalty, both of the things that kept right. them from two things. He never should have been in a position where he's throwing that uh, pass anyways, but he sh- he should know to throw that just, out of the end zone. Yeah. So, or, or to the wide open tight end running running parallel to him on the goal line. Or that. Throwing to the tight end might be tough. Guys, but the question <laughs> is, the big question is, I mean, there's people, a lot of people pushing the panic button on, on Jeff Sims right now for the turnovers. And, and, you know, his numbers overall in his career have not looked good in terms of turnovers. But as Mike pointed out earlier, and Caleb read in the question, he had as many interceptions in that that he did against Minnesota for an entire season. Yeah. Or, you know, I think he played nine games in the season as well. So, Mike, like, who is he? at the, Like, how, how are we getting this level of variety? And the other thing is, if you watch his film from Georgia Tech, he also has a really strong arm, too, yeah. which you sort of saw, but you sort of didn't last night. I was a little Thursday disappointed night. by that throw to Tommy Hill because that was there. That's a throw that he made at Georgia Tech. All the time. I was not prepared for him to underthrow well, that it ball. Was, it was almost like he misjudged the the speed of which he needed to put that out yeah. there, I guess. but um, Best two-way player on the field. <laughs> Let's let's see. Uh, play got, a little deeper. I'm just going to get that in my drafts right. I'm going to get that in my drafts right now. Actually, oh. while you answer this, yeah, I, I, he's he's a fascinating player because there's no way 
I don't think you can bench him because his legs are too valuable. I never thought that this would be the point that they're in in game two, but if it almost feels like he is as valuable as a runner as he's going to be as a passer, mm-hmm. which is scary to me because I don't know if this team's set up to play that way, but maybe they can switch things to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's... You know, you're going to have to live with that risk-reward because he's going to have to play at a high variance in order for you to get explosive plays. What do you guys think, and I guess we'll kind of maybe touch on this in the next question, too, when we talk about the wide receivers, but this is more about Sims. A lot of times when you'll bring up Sims running and, you know, whether that, exactly how that's going to be used in the offense, there's people who react negatively if it's going to be a significant part of this offense. Well... I think I got bad news for those people, right? Oh yeah, uh, and I was probably one of those people because I, I don't, I have one issue with where this is headed. I'm tired of watching Nebraska's offense being built around its quarterback to the point where they have to be the hero every single time. But they, the, they leave themselves no outs. Where the single most explosive best player on your offense every single year is your quarterback, save for Casey Thompson, which worked out pretty well when they could hit Trey Palmer. Yeah. Um, Everything else didn't work out that well. Right. But, you know, so it, I don't love that because I just don't see any way that he's going to play 12 games. And then the drop-off is always really difficult. But you have to figure out how to win games. You're going to have to use yeah. the legs. What's your level of comfort with that being a significant part of the offense? Carol? I think you have to. That, that Nebraska is going to have their most success. Now, I don't like the ratio at the way it was done. He's credited for 19 rushing attempts. Three of those were sacks, so pass calls. Two of them were scrambles. Again, pass calls. So 14 plays were dialed up to where he is one of the options. A couple of them are a zone read, maybe an RPO in there, and then a couple of times it's an option. So around double-digit times, he's going to have to run the ball. Adrian Martinez, while he was here, averaged 13 rushes a game. And yes, that, that includes sacks in those numbers as well. Three of the last four years, the quarterback has led the team in rushing attempts. Again, yes, that includes sacks, but that means they're taking hits. I think Jeff Sims needs to be getting at least the option of running the ball double-digit times a game, but I also believe Gabe Irvin needs to be getting the ball 15 times a game. And I would like some of these runs for Jeff Sims. I would like more on the scrambles than I would them dialing up immediately a QB power. Yeah, yeah. Man, I have just a ton. Yeah, you guys, do you think there is a sweet spot to be found where he is not the primary option, but he is definitely a big play option no. with his feet? No, I don't. You don't think so? I don't think there's any other playmakers on offense that are anywhere near the level that he is. I mean, For he's running. the fastest player on that yeah, offense. Which, by the way, yeah, to take the other side of this, I was more impressed than I thought he would be. That yeah, I would be same. in how he well, ran. Well, he found space. I wanted absolutely. him. To, he looked good running. Yeah. I wanted him to run that. They ran that one option play. Yeah, I wanted early. to see that in the second half, like in the fourth quarter when you're trying to put the game away. Like, run that because uh, the to be able to defend that and to not expect it, I can't imagine. And they probably didn't have enough of it in the offense to really. Well, here, here's here were his runs in the second half: sack. Draw, sack, sack, zone read, QB power, read. That was in the third quarter. Fourth quarter, draw, draw, scramble. Yeah. Those they, were his only runs. A little more variance out of that. And then I think if you can work that option in there, like the actual option, like they ran it, Yeah. I think that could be really dangerous. Especially, they're going to be a terrible red zone team. I mean, they are just not built. Unless that offensive line starts Again. mauling people, you're going to have to play to the edges of the field and... I think you're going to need the option to Guys, do that. you have a giant quarterback. If you get inside the 10, quarterback sneak, 
four times. <laughs> I don't care if they know it's coming, and I know you don't want Jeff Sims getting hits. But he ran a four-yard quarterback sneak to start the so offensive season. bring in season. your third-string H-back and let Heinrich Harburg run those. Fine with me. <laughs> I I still believe they have a, a Harburg formation uh, for the Red Sox. <laughs> I, I want to really talk do. about this more, but we'll, we'll have time, but we got to move on. Number three. Oh, we're just on three. Nebraska yeah, lost Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda for the year due to an injury in the Minnesota game. Most thought he'd be an important cog as a deep threat in a receiver room that lacks proven depth. With him gone... How exactly do you think these receivers will be used, and who may get an opportunity they may not have otherwise? Well, we we already talked about this quite a decent amount, so we don't have to do a lot of it. But number one, Billy Kemp wasn't really used, at least in completed passes at all. He's got to be a lot lot bigger. Marcus Washington, I think we all agree on this, is going to be a bigger part of this offense than we realized, and I think has the potential maybe to be better than people realized if he's kind of the primary receiving threat for this team, which he may probably end up being here for the team. Beyond that, you know... I don't. He rule was so effusive about the freshman not being there yet that I really still have my. It's hard. It's hard yeah. because he's doing that. But then you look at other teams and they're bringing freshmen in all of the time, and you've got freshmen who are in that same. I mean, and you got Malachi Coleman who's in that same group being yeah. mentioned with the guys who are playing at this point. So I think people. I think people are sitting back and saying, "Well, why? Why not give him a shot in this situation?" Because he was. On paper, as talented as these guys were. Yeah, um, on paper doesn't tell you that these guys largely are tremendous athletes that are learning how to play wide receiver. Like, mm -hmm. there's a big difference between knowing how to run the routes, being able to run a route tree as designed by, you know, Garrett McGuire and Marcus Satterfield, uh, not putting your quarterback in a situation where you should be running one route and he's thinking something else Mm -hmm. and he's going to be throwing a spot that you're not at. There's a lot more that goes into playing than just being a good athlete. Like they have good athletes, they need to develop them into wide receivers. Like that's that's the when you're going after track speed the way that they did, that's the, the play. And you're not you're not expecting that you're putting those guys in in week one. You're hoping to have them ready by week six. Yeah, so, I think even more than than who's going to get the opportunity from some of these young wide receivers. I think it's who are the guys that are on the field and actually putting them in positions to be successful. What routes should Billy Kemp be running? Yeah. Where should you be getting the ball to Ramir Johnson yeah. as a talking pass catcher? Do you have plays how, on your sheet to get easy throws? Yes. How much can you actually utilize the tight ends? Yeah, even if it's just Borkercher and then you get two two pass is a game to Fedoni. If you don't utilize yeah, these guys point. in the places they can be successful, it doesn't even open up anything else you want to do. I'm with that 100%. Can, can I, and the only the other thing that I can say is, and, and maybe this is just a comment out of frustration, but I know in the clip you played, Rule mentioned Fleeks, who he brought over from Baylor as a grad transfer. I guess my question is, why do you bring a guy like that over if you're not going to play him? Yeah. If he's not going to be a... I think he's why there to you, help. Garrett McGuire transition the wide receiver core into the style of play okay. that they want at wide receiver. I just I mean, you go look at Josh Fleek. When he said that he was a he knows that he can make plays, in my head I was like, it was it in practice? Because like it's <laughs> he not had on kick, his he stats. had kick returns at Baylor, I think okay. is is maybe what he okay. was a little bit referring to. And they used him as a, a runner as much as anything. He sure. had about as many carries. Well, he, he was a running he back initially. Yeah. 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 He, he, he had, had as much carry. But all I'm the only thing I'm frustrated about, and it's nothing specific against him, but I feel like there were wide receivers in the transfer portal that were there and could have been ready to play. And instead, you've got one that so far isn't even, you know, breaking into the mix at yeah. this point. I, I don't, I never thought Fleek was going to be a, a big cog of what they were doing. It felt like more of a, 
help kind of set the standard of the room. Well, and that obviously kind of backfired when you sent him home from camp. Exactly. Exactly. Listen, yes. Right now, you need people who can play, yeah. not players who can coach at this point. Number two. It was one of the big tops topics at the end of fall camp. Matt Rule talking about Anthony Grant's fumbling issues. But despite that, Grant was in as was in as Nebraska needed more than anything to protect possession in. Well, we know what happened. I think everyone agrees in hindsight it made little sense to have him in at that moment. What do you think this series of events means for how running back personnel is used going forward? What do you think? Is Grant, Grant still a part of the game plan this yeah, week? Yeah, he'll play. Yeah? He'll play. I, I don't know that he'll get a ton of carries, but he'll play. Um, and we'll see a fair amount of Gabe Irvin. We'll see some Ramirez. Like, you're going to see all of these guys. I just don't know that any of them are going to have like a 20 carry game. It's just I just don't think it sets up that way. I think it, to to me it's fine to get Anthony Grant right now until they feel they're comfortable with it. 5 carries a game and it might just be a drive here where you go Gabe needs this one. Mm-hmm. You you just had a long like you had an 80 yard drive and then the defense on the second play gets a takeaway. All right. Gabe might need a blow here. Yeah. So, so you get Anthony Grant. I'm to me, that's where you have Anthony Grant's role on the team. And yeah, you're going to get Ramir Johnson a couple of runs to keep the defense off uh, honest, so that it's not just he's on the field they're going to throw it. I think you have to make it a 15 carry a game Gabe Irvin offense. Why not? I don't, like I, I don't. And I, I don't know that. if the offense is the offensive line specifically is able to do that consistently, mm-hmm. but you have to make this a Gabe Irvin, Gabe Irvin run offense for them to be successful. Because guess what? When you get to the passing game, it's all a Jeff Sims run offense. Yeah, like you have to get outside and let him run with the ball. I think people are just going to say, "Why can't you give Gabe Irvin, Gabe Irvin, fifteen to twenty carries? Why not?" If I had to guess, and this is just a guess based off of things that I've, I've kind of heard, but kind of putting it all together, I think they think Anthony Grant's their most talented running back. I think he's going to get as many opportunities as as is necessary for that to, to come to light for them. Uh, and I like that's why I was so stunned when Matt Rule said what he did at the end of fall camp, like. One to sort of put that out publicly, like you don't see that a lot, uh, and then two for it to be Anthony Grant, who earlier in the week they were just talking about Man. how he had sort of completely rejuvenated himself under their tutelage in the spring. It is so figure out to hard to figure out what he is exactly, yep. Anthony, because early last year, granted against lesser competition, he had some of the best highlights. He had the best highlights of last year of anybody. He was their best running back. He was, the, far, but he had the best like. Uh, some might call him eye test Anthony. He had such good visual highlights during that season. It's right. the, might, yeah. That's but, the only season in the last four that you didn't have the quarterback with the most rushing attempts. Yeah, he, he had that. He had he ran over and then like you go to the Iowa game the end of the year last year and he couldn't do anything. And he got this sort of reputation in the fans, which I think was somewhat earned in that he had a hard time sort of going. He liked to bounce. He B. likes to bounce outside. He did it on Thursday against Minnesota on one of the right. runs too. And so yeah, that's tough. So you've got that, but then you've got this thought that, well, the coaches really think, at least what we're hearing, the coaches really think highly of him, want him to get him in there, and then you hear he fumbles too much, which he didn't really fumble last year, yeah. but then they say it, and he did fumble. Like, <laughs> If Rule doesn't say I that, don't I don't know. think we're even having this conversation. Right. We're just going, oh, he, he fumbled, it happened. Did he will that into existence? <laughs> Stop even mentioning it, please. <laughs>
Uh, and the other only other thing I'll add on to that is I. It feels like Ramir Johnson needs to about triple the amount of times that he touches the ball somehow, and I don't, I don't know what's the best is way to do that. Is there something I can him. sign? Is this one of those petitions when I'm walking into Walmart that I'm getting <laughs> yes, you know, yes. asked to sign? Make sure you sign the right sign one. Ramir There's also a decline to sign for Ramir Johnson getting three times. And you can also I don't want to decline. Yeah, I know. I, I know, but it's you can confusing. also ask for your name to come off of the ballot. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. But don't, I mean. It feels like he needs to be more. It's weird that he's not involved. It was really, last year was the weirdest thing ever with him. I'm impressed he stuck around for this whole thing. But we, you saw what he, you've seen what he can do two years ago. You saw him on the kick return. What else do you need Just to give do? Him the ball. Just let him, yeah. I mean, goodness sakes. Number one. Shadur Sanders threw for more than 500 yards and had four receivers, including two-way star Travis Hunter, all eclipse 100 yards receiving. How does Nebraska's version of the 3-3-5 stack up tomorrow? I don't know. It's the hundred. It's the hundred dollar question because TCU's and they ran the three three five two, and it doesn't mean it's going to be the same result. But they struggled not only not only physically to cover Colorado's receivers and tackle Colorado's ball carriers, but they struggled schematically to adapt at all during that entire game. That's what the most amazing thing about that game was. Not that Colorado had it going early, but it was that. It never looked different that entire game for Colorado. It never got difficult. There were, yes, a couple of times where they dropped Sanders back, and TCU did get some pressure, but they really didn't have to do that a whole lot. When you've got when you've got the middle of the field open and five to ten yards available, take, 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 keep taking that thing, and they did pop it out to a running back, and you got a, you got a couple of guys who were super talented, and you got a, a, another group of guys who are doing their job very well. I mean, it's just... Yeah. Uh, that, that still is the most amazing thing to me, and I don't know if that was a. That's the big question: was that about Colorado or was that about TCU? I'm sure it's some combination, but how much? Very excited for the chess match of uh, Tony White and, and Colorado's offensive coordinator, and I, I mean, you could see this thing go a variety of ways. But I, for me, a lot of it is just going to be if that defensive front can cause issues and force the ball to get out quickly force him to throw into some tighter wind. Look, every one of those throws that he had, it didn't feel like it was against multiple defenders. It felt like it was against they were, air. They were know? open. They so were always open. If, even if Nebraska plays kind of a soft hang coverage like they did against Minnesota, the difference is there's going to be a defender in the screen or sometimes multiple. And if you have good pass rush up front or you know Nash is pushing back into those throws... That makes it a little bit harder. I can also see where Nebraska is sometimes is like, we're going to send three, we'll drop eight, and we'll just let, if he has to sit and try to pick something yeah. out, we'll see how he does it. I, I think there's a variety of ways for them to, to attack this, but the most important part of, of all of it, Nebraska has to control the ball. Yeah, Nebraska has to control the ball to win the game on Saturday. All right, we'll get more into what that Nebraska game plan might look like against Colorado. We're going to have Kevin Suits join us on the way to Boulder a little bit later. we got the picks coming up and a whole lot more. Next, your Big Ten look around. It is 7.55 on KLIN. Across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keeping you moving with Time Saver Traffic, I'm Chris Lofgren. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate, brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedic on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's time for a Big Ten Roundup. We've been talking a lot about Nebraska-Minnesota, but let's uh, take a look at the uh, the rest of the league right now. Guys, 
Any adjustment on expectation? I know we've talked a lot about overreacting to week one, and we don't want to do that, but any team that you want to really adjust your expectations about after what you saw on week one? You know, Illinois almost losing, Iowa and Wisconsin both struggling a little bit, Ohio State struggling a bit. It, it should have provided a healthy dose of perspective for the Nebraska fan base. I don't know that if it, I don't know that it did, but it shows you the difficulty of starting with a conference game in your very first week versus getting a Buffalo that allows you to kind of work through your struggles and then you get to take over in the second half because you have more talent. Yeah. I mean, if anyone watched the first half of that Wisconsin game, Buffalo outplayed Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Like they they were the better team. They're also Buffalo if they don't have the right. players to to finish that thing out. And then Iowa, Utah State, I don't know who in the the odds making world thought that Iowa was gonna cover a game with twenty five points. Two when they can't even score. But they got two touchdowns points. They got two touchdowns right off the bat and everyone like, here it is, new Iowa, and then it was pretty much over for the Same game. Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it pretty much was. And because you, you don't have a mobile Cade McNamara, and I right. think that's going to very much limit I, Iowa's ceiling as the season goes on. Yeah. And then I think we are in the territory, which it might have been last year and Nebraska just didn't allow it to happen. Northwestern might be the worst division team. In Big Ten history. Uh, they're underdogs at home to UTEP this weekend. They're horrendous. Yeah. I don't know. You you both seem like nice church going folk. I don't know if you were you were watching that game. If you were I at did. brunch, you were probably I tried you were to probably watch waiting it. waiting for one of the three brunch spots in town yes. with a four hour wait on oh, that I was Monday. I was locked in, Mike. Yeah. Northwestern. Bad. Yeah. yeah. Bad. They are. Uh, interesting games here real quick this weekend uh, in the Big Ten, if you're looking for kind of a, a menu of games. Friday night, we got Illinois-Kansas. That's a good Friday night game. Yeah, That's you tonight. The, yeah, you yeah, got fri- the... Uh, that the, is t- tonight's fr- today's Friday. <laughs> you got the Blackhawk-Kansas uniforms, but you don't know if their, fr- or if their quarterback's going to play. Ooh. He's been banged up, and Illinois is still trying to figure out, do they have their Does it matter if Kansas quarterback plays or not? They have the Last best year, depth, I mean, depth chart situation yeah. in the country. That's going to be an interesting game. Illinois should have lost that game. They got a yeah. miracle pass uh, to stay alive in, in the game last week. Uh, Purdue-Virginia Tech, Cyhawk Trophy. What's Purdue gonna like? lost to a Mac school, I uh, think. Uh, Purdue lost San Diego State. Oh, no. Last week? I don't think it was San Diego Fresno State. State. Sorry, Fresno that, State. Yes. Fresno I'll State. say this again later, but hammer the under in that Cyhawk. Yeah, Cyhawk Trophy. Going to Trump and like five other presidential candidates are going to be there. <laughs> Wisconsin goes to Washington State, plus... The granddaddy of them all, Temple versus Rutgers. 758 on KLIN. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. If you come across anything that slows you down, call the traffic hotline 402-479-1414. Keep it moving with Time Saver Traffic. I'm Chris Lofgren. Side. Snap back. They give it off to Anthony Grant. Picks his way to the left. Inside the 40, 35, 30. Quick the tackle. 45, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. Who do you think you're fooling? Nobody is thinking about their job the day before a Husker game. What a finish to this football game. Memorial Stadium up 
upside down right now. Three eligible to the near side. Back to throw is Morgan. Gets hit drop. Oh, he got drilled at the 18-yard line. Ty Robinson's second sack of the year. I think he took his shoes off with that hit. This is the Friday Husker Tailgate with Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, and Mike Schaefer. Brought to you by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. First, Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right. Final keyword of the week, but two more picks to go. So two people who text in the keyword here in a second are going to get a pick for Fantasy Huskers. We'll be asking if they, if you get a pick, we'll be asking you how many points does Colorado score against Nebraska in the game this week. Caleb, what is the final keyword of the week? Sanders. Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S. Sanders, text that in right now and you'll get a pick. What were our last two picks here? Uh, we're still waiting on Daryl. Daryl. Daryl, get that pick Darryl, in. Daryl, you're going to lose your spot in line if somebody picks ahead of you here. Julie said she wanted a little bit of that extreme. When it was 73? She said 41, which right now is the extreme. That, that's still the high? Yeah. I might jump on 42, just not because I think Nebraska's going to lose, but just playing the numbers. So. I think there's value in taking one. Yeah, you take one, too. Because yeah. you'd get right now you get all the way zero. one to 15. Yeah, you know, you got to play smart. you got to play smart to win the pizza. Probably take two if you're doing that. But. And the gear. you got to play smart <laughs> only for the pe- pizza Only and pizza and alumni hall gear for the smartest Phrases people. Phrases that you heard all throughout your education. you got to play smart to win the pizza. <laughs> hey, I probably would have done a lot better at school if I had heard that. <laughs> Instead of a report card, you get different types of pizza. If you're doing poorly, anchovies. Hey, I mean, when I, hey, when I was growing up, you had to read the books to get the pizza. I was going to say, that's yeah. kind of what they did with Book, book It. it book It program, The yeah. amount of books that America was devouring at that point has sadly <laughs> changed since that all happened. We were a proper nation once. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get back into Nebraska and Colorado. Let's just talk a little bit about just kind of the national fascination it's with this game, but we know why. It's because of Dion and because of what they did. And it's going to put more eyes on this game than you would ever have, maybe of all time, between two non-top 20 teams battling each other, because that's what you've got here. And isn't it crazy? I don't know that it's overshadowed it, but you finally got Texas-Alabama and the rematch and that whole thing, and it feels you know, kind of like a co-number one most most discussed game this week. It is just, it is bizarre, and it presents a real opportunity for Nebraska on the national stage here. But I'm curious, Mike, the whole, what is it about the Colorado thing exactly? Because you've had former players coach before, right? You've had, you've had, Guys go from small schools to big schools and have success quickly. You've had five star, impressive guys. What's go? What has captured the imagination exactly of everyone about Colorado? Do you think? Well, I think some of it is the personality of Deion Sanders is always going to um, provide a, a big part of it. I mean, this is a a huge media personality as a player, a huge media personality as a media personality, uh, a huge media personality as a coach. And then there's just a fascination because yes, he was coaching Jackson State, but nobody was watching Jackson State. I mean, they mm-hmm. they might appear on ESPN U every now and then or whatever, but you weren't really going out of your way to watch it. And then I I think 
Anytime you get someone who has the sort of following that he does, both, again, as a player and then as a media personality, then you add this. We all think of college football in, you know, you win in a certain way. You put your program together in a certain way. You do things in a certain way. Then you have a guy like Dion who's like, no, I don't do that. I do it like this. And for a lot of us, you stand off to the side and you're like, you're going to transition 60-some players and it's going to work well. Good luck, buddy. Yeah. And he wins that first game, yeah. and you're like, all right, well, maybe I'm... <laughs> I already knew I'm not as smart as I often think that I am, right. but if I needed another reason right. to think that. Um, so I, I think a lot of it is just his personality combined with his style um, and the fact that he sort of, because he can, just ignores all of the norms that go with the profession. I mean, this is a guy that after their win was trash-talking media members. They won one game. Right. One game. And he's out there because this is what he can do. Right. And he, he additionally mentioned did something no other coach would ever do, talked about Travis Hunter game, and said something. He referred to the Heisman right after that in, in, in the discussions. And afterwards. he is just sort of making up the rules as it goes along for how we sort of expect people to react and do things. And, you know, here in Nebraska, for those of us of a certain age, the coach that you think of more often than not is the exact polar opposite of everything Deion Sanders is in mm-hmm. every capacity. Yes. Every single capacity. So for us here in this state, it screams even louder for other people elsewhere. And, you know, brash, arrogant coaches aren't anything new. Brash, arrogant coaches that were, you know, maybe the best to ever play their position at cornerback mm-hmm. in the NFL and one of the great college players of all time and then one of the more dynamic media personalities of all time. That's rarefied air. And oh, by the way, this guy's just going to be a show all the yes. time. Yeah. And you never know how much of it is an act. You don't know how much of it is real. You don't know. I don't know personally if I think it's good for college football or bad for college football. But I know this, I pay attention to all of it. Yeah, that's and true. I think that sums up the entire thing. That's true. I guess I can castigate everyone I want who's making too big of a deal about it, but the truth is who's I'm, paying attention? We I'm, are. I'm watching it. Yeah. <laughs> if when they play, you know, in, in a week when they play Colorado State, whatever happens here, I'm going to be curious about that game way more curious than I would be just he brought his Louis Vuitton, right? And it, yeah, you know, let's show up in week one. Wore his sunglasses in the press conference. It's just, yeah. it almost reminds me of a little. You mentioned sort of the contrast with with Tom Osborne. That's a little bit what you felt with Tom Osborne, Barry Switzer, a bit. Yeah, and, and having every, never really been around and everything that, that and everything that Oklahoma was right. Brian Bosworth and you know all of that. There was a little of that baked into the Nebraska Oklahoma thing. You know we're uh, we're stoic, stoic, and they're you know they're going to be talking and they're going to be showmen and and we're not. There's a little of that being brought back here with this whole thing a bit in kind of the things that I'm hearing from. Nebraska fans, Caleb. How much? What do you like? I know. Uh, like, how much do you take from Week One? From from especially from Colorado because that's the huge discussion here. Like, what do you even beyond the Nebraska game? What do you think about it? This team is going to be this year. Are we going to have this kind of a circus every single week? I think the only thing, especially regarding Colorado, that you can you can take from Week One, starting with them, is that. They're athletic on offense, and they know how to get their playmakers the ball. 
And that's about it. We don't know what the what their game plan looks like if they have to run more because they didn't have to. They were allowed to just flip it out to their playmakers all the time. We don't know what their defense looks like if anyone can possess the ball and just continuously run at them. TCU ran the ball for seven yards a carry and also didn't necessarily have to do that because they could. their offense was good enough to score at will on Colorado's and the, the Buffs didn't have to lean on a special teams game. So we kind of know... Their offense has athletic guys, and they know how to get them the ball right now. What what does that look like now when they have other defenses? For Nebraska, we know the defense is pretty good at stopping stopping the run game. What is it going to look like now when you have more athletic guys on the perimeter that might get the ball in space? Can they still flock to the ball? Can they still gang tackle the way they did last Thursday? And offensively, you have to find a run game that's not your quarterback, but he has to still be part of the run game. So I, and it, so much of that is also Nebraska played what has been a really good physical defense. Colorado played what has been a pretty bad defense. And you, you go on, on both sides of the ball for it. It's so hard to gauge week one when you have such a different matchup week two and what that's going to look like over the course of the rest of the season. Do you guys think this game plan is possible for Nebraska defense? And Mike has alluded to this already, um, which uh, essentially boils down. I, I guess can you can you keep Shadur Sanders with the ball in the in the pocket long enough, or wherever he is in, in the backfield? Can you keep him with the ball long enough to generate a pass rush with them? Is, are there ways? I mean, that you, you can got do multiple that? sacks. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you can. And a big part of it is that, and we we've talked about it off air a little bit. Shador Sanders does not move well back in the pocket when pressure does get to him. He he is not. No, he he's. I was no, surprised. And, actually, and now, but... yes, statistically, you look at week one and you look at 500 yards through the air and not throwing three interceptions. Sanders played better than Sims, but if you're looking at somebody that can actually be a little bit elusive and get out of the pocket, Sims showed so much more of that in week one. I don't think that same thing is there for Colorado at protecting their quarterback or him being able to get out of there and make a lot of throws on the run. He was allowed to just sit back and take take care of the ball, and he got rid of it pretty quick. But if you're going to try to hit like a Dylan Edwards over the top or Travis Hunter or any of these other guys and get them the ball more than 10 yards downfield, you have to have a couple of seconds back there. I don't know if Colorado's yeah, offensive line can hold up and do that. Yeah, I just worry that they've catered the offense, Mike, so much around being aware of their offensive line's issues, and they kind of mastered that. You're right. There were sacks in the game. They tried a couple of deep shots sometimes. But by and large, they schemed around their own offensive line for the well, entire yeah, game. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, it's a smart coaching. Like, yeah. you know what your weaknesses are, and you don't let other teams expose it, or you don't let other teams hammer it. Um, so that's that's good on them. That's good on, on their coaching. Nebraska's job is going to be, okay, how can we keep you in front of us how can we force Sanders into some more uncomfortable throws? And can we get some pressure on him, too? And then on top of it, like if you're doing those two things and he's having to put it into some tighter windows, can you bat the ball in the air? Can you come through with the yeah. big play? Can you make your own momentum off of it? Or can you force it into a situation where you, you're never going to take the pass away from Colorado? But can you make it where they feel more comfortable that they're not more comfortable where they feel like they have to run the ball? Right. Because we haven't seen where Colorado, like the other thing is, can Colorado salt a game away running a football? 
Right. Yeah. I mean, is is a seven point lead with four minutes left, and Colorado has the ball? Like, do they still have to throw? Right. You know, those are <laughs> will they? <laughs> yeah, will they? Those are try. questions that we'll you know potentially find out. Or do they get? Let's say it's on the other side of it, and the offense doesn't score right away. And do how much does do those players and that offense and their game calling get impatient yeah. if Nebraska is up ten nothing and running the ball and burning a lot of clock? And Colorado's offense isn't allowed to just be on the field a lot right. and playing free. How do they play under that pressure? Again, things we don't know from week one, the way the game's played out. Yeah, that's true. Real quick, back to Colorado's offense. I mean, I noticed they were trying different tackles at different positions in that game and taking guys in and out. And they've got some of the, the offensive line for Colorado is interesting because you got a couple of guys who came along with Lewis from Kent State. Uh, you got a couple of Colorado holdovers. Then you got a, some other chance. Then you got a true freshman from Des Moines that's in the yeah. mix there with the whole thing. But like they, they were, I, you could tell they were struggling a little bit. The tackles were struggling a little bit. I wonder how much Ty Robinson not being there in the first half is a big deal for Nebraska, too. It it could hurt, and yet when Matt Rule talked about it, he talked about Blaze Gunnerson and Cam Lenhart being co-number one, so it's like they're down a guy, yeah. but they have a guy ready to go. It's just going to slide one over. Um, you know, I, I said this earlier in the program. I've said it all summer. The assistant coach that I've come away with the strongest confidence in has been Terrence Knighton, um, in part because Matt Rule's never really had a bad defensive line anywhere he's been. You look at the success they had at Baylor, it was guys like uh, James Lynch turning into absolute monsters. Mm -hmm. And if you get even half of that out of Nash Hutmacher, who it's going to be such a key player for Saturday, um, you know, Nebraska's trajectory is up and their ability to be disruptive is up. One thing that I think should make people feel better about this game against Colorado is Matt Rule coached in the Big 12. It's good not point. like the That's it's not point. like the concepts that Colorado are going to throw into this game or things that he's never seen. It's not like he's never played in a game where and you look at the style that Baylor played in 2018-2019, they didn't want to be in shootouts. They made you play their style. That's you a look good at point. who took those Oklahoma teams of Lincoln Riley down to the wire in the Big 12 Championship game in 2019. It was Baylor mm-hmm. and Colorado. And looks those Lincoln Riley teams, those yeah. Lincoln Riley teams are a hell of a lot better than what Colorado That's has. That's so there's there's a lot of like, oh no, how are they going to? And it's like they've seen this before. Yeah, you know their college coat, like they've been around the blocks. Not Garrett McGuire necessarily, but right. You know, um, Matt Rule isn't going to look at what. It's not Deion Sanders and Colorado did right. and just be like slack jawed. Like I, I I do think there's some of it and I, I felt this way with some of the questions Nebraska media asked some of the coaches this week. It's like we well, gotta give them a little more respect than we have. It's not like these guys haven't coached anywhere. It's not like Matt Rule didn't go against Lincoln Riley in this sort of offensive concept in yeah. the past. Yeah. Like let's let's like rein some of this in. I understand they just got done playing a game against Minnesota that may have set offensive football back, but they have played in other games and other conferences and other situations. That's a great this point. This isn't going to be new. Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely is a is a great point too with this whole thing. And you know, same with Tony White's defense, obviously. And yeah, well, going, and going against teams in the You know ACC. who Tony White's head coach was when he was at Syracuse? Dino Babers. Yeah. You know whose offensive style Colorado models it off of? 
Tino Babers. Okay. Like, so it's not like there's it's unfamiliar to the concept of what well, they're doing. Yeah, that's true. The, you the, just have to be able to see if your athletes can execute what you want to there do. Is, and that's the so much the biggest thing, because last week, if they execute, if there's not a false start, you have a touchdown on the board. Yeah. If there's not throwing into triple coverage in the back of the end zone, if you throw it away yep. or throw it to the wide open tight end, it's the execution. That's the biggest part that Nebraska missed in week one. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, all all very true on this thing as well. The, the other thing I wanted to get into is, you know, when, when that Colorado TCU game was going on, I was watching a lot of people and texting with people who naturally, because they were Nebraska fans and because... Uh, of things we've talked about, they were cheering against Colorado just because that's where their heart was. And I usually say, follow your heart with those things. But I kind of went against that for one time last Saturday because when that game, I knew that game was going to end fairly closely at the end. I said, there is no way you want any outcome if you're Nebraska, a Nebraska fan at least, than Colorado to win this thing. For not, not necessarily because I want the perception of Nebraska to be higher, but I think the, the way... I think the way that that's got to, I mean, I think the the mental state of both of these teams is probably as best as you could hope for, probably, or at least the situation. I don't know if it well, got yeah, you got an angry team. The way team. that you set it yeah. up, you got a team who's getting all the love in the world, all of the love in the world that they may or may not have earned, and they are they a complete it. focus that they are okay. Yeah. They they earned it in one week. Yeah, in one week it, they they earned in one week. Did they reset their entire programs where. No. Where you come into a game feeling like you are an afterthought, right? Like you are the Washington Generals coming into this game. It does not feel like it does not feel like it should take a whole lot to motivate this team coming into that. I mean, it, you, you sh- if you can't motivate for this game, um, and I'm not saying Mount Rule can't. I'm sure he can, but it's easy. It's easy for this game, I would think, to fire buddy up. Don't you guys agree? I mean, geez. I have the most amazing mental image of Deion Sanders acting like he's going to throw a bucket of water on that rule, but it's just uh, a little paper confetti. There's a 50 for 50% chance that happens in this game. <laughs> we, there's, that was a reference. Yes. I don't know that it hits for anybody under the age of 30, but right. that was a good reference. Right. That, I mean, that's what it feels like. It's, the, are the globe it goes. thing? It got uh, yeah, I think so. They used to come to Pershing Auditorium a lot. <laughs> Pershing Auditorium. See how that place is doing. <laughs> go, somebody go check on that. I'm sure that's still good. They might be coming this weekend. <laughs> You're looking live. <laughs> oh golly, it's just one wall now. Oh, okay. It, it kind of goes with what you were saying, though, Mike. It's like people were so wowed. Again, they did a great job in that game, but people act acted like it was some kind of unprecedented yeah. type way that they did it because Travis Hunter played both ways. Right. That was unprecedented. That was yeah. yes, but that was a, they imputed that to everything mm-hmm. that happened in some ways. In the way that you would the Harlem Globetrotters essentially. Like you're winning games like no team actually plays. Right. And that's not really what they were doing. Yeah, I I am, you know, if Nebraska makes this the kind of football game they want to make it, their chances of winning go way up. If yeah. Colorado gets it to be the game that they want, Nebraska's chances go way down. I mean, it's it's not that difficult of a game to analyze because they play entirely different styles. Yep. And they want to do entirely different things. Um, now, as has been said multiple times, it's going to be the team that can best adjust to what the other team is doing. 
yes. uh, that's going to, to to probably find themselves able to survive any kind of punch or counterpunch. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a closer look at Colorado. I've done a little analysis on you know exactly who this team is, where the players all came from, because that in itself is a little bit hard to figure out. And then we'll take a look about where Ralphie came from, which may surprise you as well. That's coming up with Opposition Disposition on KLIN. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Clear 57, the overnight low. Saturday near 85, slight chance for rain late. Showers possible Sunday, high near 75. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brad Anderson. Do you know your foe? Well, we'll introduce you, but we can't guarantee you'll get along. It's the Friday Husker Tailgates Opposition Disposition on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIF. get to know Colorado because no one is talking about them. I mean, how would you ever have any idea about what this team is about without listening to this radio show? (laughs) We are here for you. We know the dearth of information and talk about this team across the airwaves in all of America right now, and we are here to rescue you. We've talked... Guys, I kind of went through and did an entire um, analysis on their roster uh, because... There were a couple of things. I had a perception, and I don't know if other people had this perception or not. Maybe they didn't, but I had this perception that they that Deion Sanders had brought in like lots, a whole lot of blue chippers or guys who are super successful at other college, like super successful established players in high school or in college already in previous mm-hmm. years, and the truth is that that happened with a few players not a ton of them yep right like i had heard about this wide receiver core and that you've got it's just these it's all these five-star wide receivers and that's not really true i'm not trying to they played like it last week but that's not truly who they are but i want to start kind of just going through their offense and some of these guys that you're going to hear and and go through they are because it's an interest it is really interesting the way that they mixed up this team between jackson jackson state players Colorado holdovers, high school kids, and then transfers from other schools. It is all four of those in not totally equal parts, but sort of close to it. So you got Shadur Sanders. He played for Dion at Jackson State. Okay. And as Mike pointed out, it was, it was obviously a lower level of competition, but he put up ridiculously gaudy numbers there, more so than I even realized. His passing completion percentage is. Around 70%, 60, 65 to 70, depending on the year. Career, I think he's 68 or something like that. Last year, his touchdown interception ratio was 40 to 6. 40 to 6. The, that is foreign to the Big Ten West and <laughs> what we're used to, where we're used to eight touchdowns and 11 interceptions through every Big Ten West quarterback. 40 to 6 is what that was. Um, then you got the other guy. Then you got Dylan Edwards, and Mike can probably talk about Dylan Edwards better yeah. than I can because he's one of the the high school guys. He had what four touchdowns, three through the through the air. I thought he had uh, three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. Three. Yeah. three re- all all three. All three were receiving. Okay. All they three were all were... basically the same play. Too. And he only had five catches. 
So he's a true he's a true freshman. He's from Wichita, true freshman. Nebraska was involved in the recruitment for him. Kansas State had his commitment at one point in time. He was going to go play uh, with Kansas State. They got Avery Johnson, the other really good player out of Kansas last year, the quarterback. And then uh, he backs off of his commitment to Kansas State. Uh, he decides he's going to go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame comes in hard after him. Flips to Notre Dame. As soon as Dion goes to Colorado, he changes again. Uh, to to go to Colorado and it's a it's a good match. I mean, so one of the things about Dylan Edwards, he was one of the first recruits that I could remember, like high school players that I could remember, who went really hard into NIL stuff. Like he started his own T-shirt company. He was working on his branding. He had told recruiting reporters that NIL was a huge part of what he wanted in terms of of recruiting. And so part of why he didn't want to stay at Kansas State, that's not a huge NIL opportunity for him. Notre Dame would have been, mm-hmm. and Colorado, normally no, but attaching yourself to Deion Sanders, absolutely yes. So it's he's fascinating for a variety of reasons because it seems like he's a, a young entrepreneur uh, that is looking at Colorado in an entirely different vein than other. That's people interesting. Might. And then you got Travis Hunter. As we're kind of talking about the stars on the team, and two years ago, Mike, he was not only you know one of the top players at his position, he was. Number one recruit in the yeah, nation. Number one recruit in the nation. Twenty four seven sports at he least. Yeah, committed to uh, Jackson State. I think on. I don't remember if it was on like the Pat McAfee show or something Barstool related. There was a big conspiracy theory that Barstool um, paid a large NIL amount of money to Travis Hunter to go to Jackson State instead of Florida State for the uh, the hilarity, I guess, of it. If mm-hmm. you would, um, turns out. In addition to whatever that all was, really good at football. Yeah. Very good at football. So he played most snaps on both defense and offense. Yeah. And for those who don't snaps. watch a lot of football, that's incredibly rare yeah. at this level. That's really... Uh, well, my, in, a, in a track meet game, that's yeah. even more impressive because he's running all the time. Yeah. And TCU, I don't know if it's to their credit or to their discredit, they threw at him. It wasn't like they were scared of Travis Hunter. They challenged Travis Hunter. Mm-hmm. The problem was Travis Hunter won those challenges more often than not. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing is I had a perception, Mike, that at Jackson State last year he was doing doing this, what he did on Saturday every no. week. He had 15 tackles, two picks last year as a quarterback. No. He had 18 receptions for no. 190 yards last year. He was not necessarily. I mean, he was. Kind I don't of know if there was of, an injury that, yeah, that prevented that. playing time. If he was dealing with some kind of like a hamstring thing that just didn't allow him to be fully stretched out. Uh, but I, I had the same thought that you did after he had that game on Saturday. I went back and I looked, and then I didn't really go look for context. But it was like, okay, he didn't put up these amazing numbers. So yeah. all of my thoughts on him largely just stem from he had one of the more fascinating recruits. Again, it goes back to what I said. Again, it's not take away anything he did from week one, but he does not. Other than Shadur Sanders has a previous record, albeit at a lower level, he's got a previous record. Not many of these other guys do of being just like outstanding players, right? Even though they did what they did. Yeah, he missed several games because of injury. Was it an injury? Okay. 
Um, you're also going to see uh, Savion Wilkerson. I think I said that right. Um, he was a big. He was Jackson State's big running back last year. Got over a thousand yards rushing. They used him a little bit. Um, he's five nine, two ten guy. Uh, Hankerson, then another Colorado holdover last year. Didn't have great yards. Uh, didn't have great numbers either. But they used him a little bit. Then you go to the other wide receivers, and this is where I was most surprised with what I looked at. Um, Two of the guys are South Florida transfers, Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. And I think Jimmy Horn Jr. is kind of the one that's most alluded to as the other star as wide receiver. He had he was a South Florida transfer last year. He had 37 catches for 551 yards, three touchdowns. So he was a big name in the transfer portal. He was a, in. so he was yeah. a big name. He was playing for a bad team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and and same for Xavier Weaver. He was three uh three star wide receiver, uh fifty three catches for six touchdowns last year. So good, solid, but not like superstar wide yeah. receivers by any mean for them. Their tight end uh really is barely never played. Uh, at tight end, Michael Michael Harrison, the guy that they used particularly there. The other wide receivers got an Auburn trans Auburn transfer uh, in Dawson. He's five ten, one sixty five. My goodness, seriously, um, just tiny, tiny, tiny. And then that offensive line. You know, uh, it's not tiny. This tackle you're about to talk this, about. Yeah, uh, Gerard uh, Lichtenhan. Colorado holdover guy who wore number 69. They kept bringing him in and out. He's 310, excuse me, 610, 315, but he was struggling. If he was 310 and playing left tackle, that would be incredible. Yeah, he was 610, 315, <laughs> but he was struggling. You got two Kent State tra- uh, uh, transfers on the offensive line as well. You got their center who's 6'2, 290. He's a Colorado holdover. You got a guard who's a Southeast Missouri State transfer. Uh, you got another guard they're playing in, Jack Whitty, who's a true freshman from Des Moines. Apparently. I didn't even know who that was. Yeah, I I think I saw him play against my nephew last okay. year, uh, which I didn't even realize. And then another tackle, another Kent State transfer. By the way, six eight three twenty. Tackles aren't undersized by any. No. I mean, it's not that they're undersized there. Um, and then you know I'm not going to go through the the entire defense, but the defense is kind of filled out with guys who are. Solid players, transfers uh, from places like Arkansas, Clemson, um, uh, a whole bunch of other places as well. Some Jackson State guys as well. And then Miles Slusher, the nickelback, who's uh, out slash safety. Week. He's injured. Yeah. He's a transfer from Louisville via Arkansas. Yeah. And Nebraska basically. had him going into signing day, and he flipped to Arkansas. On oh, did he? Day. Yeah, this okay. was a big mm. – he was best friends with Savion Morrison. Okay, uh, and so that was the whole connection there, Oklahoma. And so when yeah. I didn't realize he was at Colorado, when his name popped up on Saturday, I was like, I wonder if that's the same one that I know. Yes, and I looked yeah. it up, and it absolutely is. And Dion's other son, Shiloh, is a is a safety. Um, he was solid at Jackson State. Originally went to South Carolina, didn't play there. Ended up going to Jackson State with Dad, and had a great game. Again, had a great. You had a lot of guys having their best games mm-hmm. ever. What does that mean? I don't know exactly, but you had a bunch of guys having their best games ever in that game. I, I think a lot of what you saw on offense was some of these guys, you talked about the tight end, some of these wide receivers, it's the offensive system that they have. I mean, it's just it's going to allow for a lot of production. Uh, it's the, the concepts that they run. Um, it'll be really interesting how they do when they get into conference play, what yes. that looks like, because the Pac-12 is one of those conferences, uh, and it's, it's final iteration where you can definitely go four or five wide and have a lot of success. You're not going to get a lot of resistance God, to that. Pac-12, it's going to be crazy this year. You got maybe one of the better conferences ever of quarterbacks at this point with all of them that are in there, and it's going to be... 
Boy, what a year for the conference to end. And some hey, of the out most with compel- a bang. Yeah, some, <laughs> of most com- some of the most compelling football the conference has ever had, by far. Yeah, because it's Bo Nix, Penix, Caleb Williams. Um, the guy at San- UCLA is pretty good. Sanders, yeah, they got the true freshman yep. at UCLA, um, who's there as well. Uh, we're forgetting. I don't I know, like Utah's Cam. Uh, Cam Rising. Pretty good. Yep, Cam Rising at Utah as well. So Arizona State's freshman is good. Or- Oregon State and Washington State both yep. look really dominant in They're, their games. They're a weirdly compelling conference, and yet I don't think any of them are good enough to win the national championship. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Uh, real quick about Colorado, we like to tell you a little bit about them off the field. Did you know this? Two cities competed for the site of the University of Colorado, Boulder and Canyon City. So if you've been up there, I've, I've been through Canyon City. I went there as well. Canyon City did not get the university. It went to Boulder, as you know right now. People in Lincoln can relate to this next sentence I'm about to tell you. The consolation prize for lose, being the losing city was to be the home of the new Colorado State Prison. <laughs> Canyon City was at a disadvantage. It was already the home of the Colorado Territorial Prison. There are now six prisons in the Canyon City area. So it ended up in Boulder. One became a university town. One became a prison town. Why did you that. drive through Canyon City? I don't remember, but I've been it there is before. Not near is that where like the the Royal or not the Royal the uh, the Gorge or whatever is? It's Isn't that south that of area? Colorado Springs and west of Pueblo? I've been there. I've been there. I remember. It's a great trip. Uh, <laughs> You remember so much about it. Uh, The name Buffaloes. You know how all these nicknames came about. It's all the same. Some old-timey 1930s newspaper man. I mean, for about every week in the 1930s, the newspaper men, and they were all men then, were making up nicknames for these teams. And that's what happened with Colorado. Yeah. In 1934, the program was officially given the nickname Buffaloes following a newspaper contest after years of being referred to by multiple nicknames, including the Bighorns. How would any of these be as a nickname? The Bighorns? Pretty good. The Frontiersmen? Like it. Yes, Yes, in on that. Grizzlies? Eh. And then several nicknames in reference to the university colors. They were so creative then. Uh, But to celebrate the new game, several students got together to acquire a buffalo calf to patrol the sidelines of games. That's the other thing that you had in the 30s was a lot of students going and getting animals themselves. So live buffaloes then made appearance on and off throughout the early years in a pen on the field or sometimes driven around in a trailer. In the 1940s, the school kept a, ba- kept a baby buffalo in a special pen at the University Riding Academy. The first one was named Mr. Chips, who first appeared at the 1957 CU Days kickoff rally and was cared for by a men's honorary society. They then decided they needed a full-time buffalo, not Mr. Chips, only part-time <laughs> So they purchased and donated. Uh, the class officer talked to his father, who purchased and donated the original Ralphie in 1966. And there have been several of them since then. <laughs> what happened to Mr. Chips? I don't know. Mr. Chips wasn't good enough. Didn't... Can you imagine, like, you're the first Buffalo, and then you're just not good enough? Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't it. So now they've had, I think, six or seven or eight Ralphies, by the way, since then. Honorable or notable alumni, last thing here for Colorado. Uh, the creators of South Park went to the University of Colorado in Boulder. Matt Stone and Trey Parker, Robert Redford, uh, Byron Wizard White, famous for playing football and being a Supreme Court justice, uh, sports writer Rick Riley, Chris Fowler, uh, Angus T. Jones, the kid on Two and a Half Men, oh. ended up at Colorado. Glenn is Miller his acting career over? Uh, it must. I don't know if it is or not. I haven't seen him in much. Uh, Glenn Miller of the Glenn Miller Orchestra and apparently Lynn Cheney went there too. Even though she's a Wyoming 
Wyoming person there. So there you go. That is your background on the University of Colorado on and off the field. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk to Kevin Suits next. He's heading up to Colorado right now. Maybe he's going to stop in Canyon City on the way like I did. And then we will get the picks for the week. We'll see who's leading. We'll see what we've got in store for this week. That's coming up 844 on KLIN. Into the Friday Hustle Clear, 57 the overnight low. Saturday near 85, slight chance for rain late. Showers possible Sunday, high near 75. From the 1011 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Brad Anderson. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, 848. Welcome back to the Friday Husker Tailgate. And a new member of the Friday Husker Tailgate this year. Although he's not been in here in person yet, he's been here first in spirit and now by phone. We're just kind of gradually bringing him into the real thing. Is 1011 Sports Director Kevin Suits. Kevin, welcome into the tailgate. How are you doing this morning, my man? I'm good morning to you. Beautiful day for a drive to Boulder. Very, where are we at right now along the process? Somewhere between York and Grand Island. <laughs> So not far. Uh, hey, we're, we're out of Lancaster County, so that's a start. That's good. It's Aurora. Yeah, that's good. Uh, we're going to get to our picks. We're really glad to have you with us and uh, working alongside 1011 with with a lot of stuff now. Very cool. Um, just curious, Kevin. Uh, we had Mike, I know, was there in, in Minneapolis last weekend. Uh, you were too. Uh, give me your sort of takeaway from that game. What surprised you and what you feel like we know about this team after one week? I think we know the offense is pretty vanilla. I know that they're going to slow games down and they're going to try to win them in the fourth quarter, as Matt Rule said. Uh, what surprised me is the way the game flipped so quickly. It really seemed, one, I thought the game was going to get over about 45 minutes prior to what it actually did. Mm-hmm. And I was even thinking about our 10 o'clock newscast could have had some really great coverage if the game's done. <laughs> the thing, it did not get done to like 9 or uh, 10.32. So it slowed down, and then, you know, the compounding mistakes late in the game. Uh, unfortunately, Husker fans have seen that for the past several years, and, and they reared their ugly head again despite it being a new staff. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 hard it's hard to even imagine at this point that it continues to happen, and it may again. Uh, what's been your reaction to sort of the national embrace and discussion of Colorado after their game against TCU on Saturday? It's not surprising. Look who their coach is, and everybody likes the shiny new toy. They are the shiny new toy in college football. They were fun to watch. Let's all admit that. Mm. Like it, They put on a show. Now, does that mean they're a good team? I don't know. We'll find out in the next month, not just this game. It's going to take some time to really find out, is Colorado elite? Are they a top 25 team, or are they just an okay team that played awesome in week one? Uh, the infatuation does not surprise me at all, just because there are so many things at play that you guys have already talked about on the show here this morning. Um, and, and, of course, you know, big noon kickoff, uh, Fox already had this game picked. So could you imagine those TV executives watching Colorado <laughs> and TCU oh last gosh. Saturday? They're uh. salivating. Like, we're going to Boulder. We were already excited to promote Deion Sanders in this program and all the energy that they have there. And now you got a team that just beat a ranked opponent, and, and they played like a video game. It was, it was kind of fun to watch. And so the TV folks just have to be absolutely loving 
the the environment to set up and everything at play for all the eyeballs at 11 a.m. on Saturday. Hey, Kevin, who is your X factor in this game that is not Jeff Sims? Like, who's someone that has to play well for Nebraska to to potentially go into Boulder and steal this thing? I'm going to go multiple players, and it's the offensive line. Turner Corcoran would be my guy. They just have to run the football. They have to slow the game down. You cannot give Colorado extra possessions. And so if you play it right, if you're Nebraska, and you know if, if you can do what Minnesota did to Nebraska and just sit on the ball and convert third downs, that is going to be so frustrating for Colorado's offensive personnel to not be on the field. And then those opportunities you get to be so limited, that can take a mental toll on them. So I think it all starts up front. The Huskers, they don't need to pop 11-yard runs. You need four- and five-yard runs just to sustain drives and play a little keep away. All right, Kevin, our uh, our, our pick'em gets very competitive, and you're probably going to find that out a little bit more as we get going here. First of all, let's uh, Caleb, let's get the official introduction on here. Bracky rights mean everything to these guys, so let the trash talk begin. It's time to call your shot in the Friday Husker Tailgate Pickskin Picks of the Week. Brought to you by Exchange Bank on 1499.3 KLIS. That's right. Thanks to our friends from Exchange Bank for sponsoring the Pick'em. Uh, Kevin, as I was saying, just so you know, we get a little vicious with our trash talk. Are you ready to jump into the lion's den with this thing? I don't know that I'm as qualified as you want me to be. I don't know that I'm a good trash talker. <laughs> I feel like we can get you. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can see that. I can see that, well, Kevin. It, and I don't. I mean that as a compliment. It's fine for Kevin to dip his toe in. He's in last place after one week. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Kevin just surprising. Kevin just went in doubt. There's one big pinata in this whole thing, and it's Jack. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't talk a lot of trash to Caleb. I probably won't talk a lot of trash to you. I will talk trash. That's, to that's Jack. basically true of your entire life. <laughs> Life. You're a nice guy to everyone in the world but me, for the most part. <laughs> All right. I'm incredibly nice to you. Sort of. Caleb, give us, a st- uh, give us a rundown of the standings. I'm in first with six points. I got Utah, North Carolina, Rutgers, the Utah State cover against Iowa, and then Minnesota, and I had the closest score. Mike has five points. Got Utah, North Carolina, Rutgers, Florida State, and Nebraska to cover. Jack's got four points. Utah, North Carolina, Rutgers, and Florida hey. State. Kevin is in third, or in fourth place with three points. Utah, Rutgers, and Minnesota. All right. That sets us up today. So we do four head-to-head games. We do the upset of the week with the Nebraska-Colorado score. Kevin, I do have your picks in front of me if you don't uh, have them know them off the top of your head, so we'll be ready to go. Uh, we go in the order of top to bottom with the standings, so Caleb gets to go first with the first game. We're going to Friday night. Oh, and one that Kevin probably has some interest in tonight, Illinois at Kansas. Caleb, who you got? I'm going to go rock chalk on this one. Ooh, okay. We got Mike next. Yeah, I don't care who's a quarterback. I'm going with Kansas here. I think both their quarterbacks are solid. Wow. D- didn't you pick Illinois to go like almost unbeaten in the Big Ten, Caleb? That's the Big Ten. Give me, uh, give me, give me Illinois in this one. I think Illinois, Kansas is still Kansas. Give me Illinois. Kevin, who you got in this? I've got Kansas in this. It's funny. You want some trash talking to bring that out of me. You throw my alma mater right in the first pick. <laughs> yep, I, that was intentional. That was definitely intentional. All right, the Cyhawk game, Iowa, Iowa State. Caleb. 
Uh, take the under, but I'll take Iowa, I guess. How many gambling references are they going to get onto this broadcast? I'm taking Iowa State. Oh, man! I'm taking Iowa State, too, but oh, I, thought no. it, I thought it was going to be like this big moment in the show, and now it seems stupid. Kevin, who do you have? <laughs> Can they both lose? I'll go Iowa. You got Iowa. All right. Uh, next game, Texas A&M at Miami. A&M. A&M? A&M. I got A&M, too. What do you got, Kevin? Miami. I need to make up some ground. Jason points in week two. I love it. Jason points in week two. As Corey Ross used to say, Jason. Jason. Texas at Alabama. What do you got? I'm still going to go Alabama here. (sighs) This is going to be everybody, isn't it? Alabama. Yeah, we're all going to be Bama. Kevin, you Bama too? You bet. All right, Kevin. All right, upset of the week. Who you got, Caleb? Uh, Stanford's getting 29 and a half against USC. I just, USC is going to score a lot of points, but I don't think their defense is going to stop them enough. Stanford and USC. Mike, who do you have? You know, I tweeted this the other day. It's Willie Fritz season. Tulane, seven and a half point dogs against Ole Miss. Give me the green wave and the best logo in college sports. Mike is exiting the lane train in week two. Unbelievable. Uh, I am going, I'm going a little deep on this one. Uh, I'm going App State against North Carolina. App State against North Carolina. Probably just going for the one point here, but we'll see. Kevin? 19 points in that 19. one, by the way. All right, Kevin, what do you got? Which game, uh, upset do you like? I'm taking Arizona over Mississippi State on the road. Jed Fish, love them. Uh, and Arizona is a little bit like Colorado. ton of new guys, so their failures the last couple of years, forget about them. New crew, and they look pretty good in week one. All right. I like it. That's upsets nine all points over the board. there, by the way. We like to tweet each other about our upsets during the weekend, Kevin, <laughs> just uh, FYI. Uh, all right, Caleb, what do you got for Nebraska-Colorado? I'm going to go with Colorado scores 21 points, Nebraska 27. Give me Ooh, the big red. God. Very similar right. over here. I got Nebraska 23, Colorado 21. Again, I don't even get to do anything surprising or exciting. Nebraska 27, Colorado 24. Uh, Kevin, you get to finish this thing off. I got Colorado and the cover. Colorado 31, Nebraska 26. Ooh, there you go. I Kevin might be there and it that. still doesn't cover. Take the under, folks. Kevin, safe travels to Colorado. We'll let you concentrate on driving. We look forward to seeing you here in the studio with us next week, all right? Can't wait. Enjoy the weekend, boys. There you go. We'll be watching Kevin's coverage on 10-11 this weekend. So there's Kevin Suits. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us today. Mike, for Mike, for Caleb, for Mark Vale, for Kevin Suits, I'm Jack Mitchell. We will see you on Monday morning. Go Big Red. It's 8.58 KLIN.